let's get started. Welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts. Carol. Just a long, awkward pause. You, yeah, it's you. you. I'm trying I'm trying to find out uh, if my recording is going. I don't think it's going. Did you forget your name? <laughs> no, I was I was in the middle of seeing if my no, recording was going. No, you saw me looking at that. Yeah. Just one sec. There's always that long Just pause. grind it to, the, to a halt right <laughs> at the start of it. I wasn't ready for you to just jump right into it. I know. Well, I I try to be sensitive with people's time. Yeah. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> but and, I make and, you watch shows I, you don't want to watch and make you talk about shows you don't want to talk about. And yet I'm trying to be considerate. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Yeah, well, as I say, I apologize for, for making us late. Not- it would be there if it was going. Nutty's recording a backup, though, isn't she? Okay. Uh-huh. I'm recording yeah. a backup. All right. Yeah, we'll have to go with yours because mine won't go. I I watched um, I only watched the first episode of The Pacific, and I watched the first and most of the second episode of True Blood. I I'm missing about seven minutes of the last seven minutes of the second episode. Cool. I didn't watch. All right. Well, I'm ready now. Okay. <laughs> well, say your name. Who are you? Oh, you're just going to edit that? Yeah, again. no, I'm not going to edit. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to leave all this stuff in. Matt, why don't we start over again? All right, welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. And joining us, special guest... Introduce yourself, Matt. guest. Nutty. Hello, it's me. It's Nutty Nuchas. Nutty Nuchas. Oh, there we go. Like, why do I have to introduce myself? Matt always sings my name. <laughs> <laughs> Nutty of the Nutty Bites podcast. Yes. Which Matt's going to be on because he oh. introduced me to a show that we're going to have to podcast about. Why I... do I like that show so much? Which what one show is? is that? Please like me. Never what? Please like me. It's called Please Like, Please me? like me. How yeah. far oh. have you gotten in that? Uh, I finished the first season. Okay. There is an episode of season two that is magnificent it is perfection and there's well there's a couple episodes like that on that show that just it is it's a if you haven't heard of it um well listen to the nutty bites podcast when we finally podcast about it but it's an australian (laughs) show that was co-produced um co-financed by the u.s network pivot for the first three seasons and then jumped to hulu for the fourth season and uh it's about a young man uh in australia who his girlfriend breaks up with him in the first minute of the pilot and is like, I just don't think we're right for each other. And also you're gay. And he's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, she's like, yeah, you are. He's like, Oh I guess maybe I am. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so it's about him kind of coming yep. to terms with his sexuality and kind of the awkwardness of, of being gay. Uh, and also his parents, his, his divorced parents, his mother has uh, d- suffers from depression. So there's a through line about mental illness uh, Which and, is fantastic. And suicide, uh, attempted suicide in the first couple of seasons. Actually, well, it's a recurring uh, theme. Mm. And uh, the father is has not remarried, but he has a child or expectant child with a woman from what country? Maybe Thailand. From Thailand. Um, so it's just a show about friendship and family and queer mm-hmm. identity and mental illness. Uh, but it's done with such a light touch. And yeah. it always makes me smile and kind of sad, and it's just great. And everything about it is great. Huh. It's well, weird how good. you can watch a show where there's like depressing things, and yet with uh, a, a 
calm sense of joy afterwards. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I it think you'll dig a, it, Carol. It takes a lot to be able to do that. I mean, somebody has to be a yeah. really good, well, it's got to be a good team all the way around. You know, writer, director, actors, everybody has got to be really on their game to be able to do that. Well, Josh yeah. Thomas. And it who, looks like the, go ahead. I'll say Josh Thomas is the creator of the show, and he's also the lead actor and the showrunner and a writer and a director on the show. And, uh, and it's all based to kind of on his own life, or at least he plays a character named Josh, who, and, you know, he's gay in real life. So his personal experiences and, like, expertise just drive it. And he's so young. It's remarkable how confident the show is. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and very mature. Do you, where, uh, where can one see this show? If you are in the U.S., you can watch it on Hulu. And if you hmm. are in Canada, you can watch it on Netflix Canada. Yes. No, no yeah. Netflix US. Not Netflix US in the US. It's on Hulu. Ah. So it's on Netflix Canada. Interesting. Yes. But you can uh, mm-hmm. subscribe to uh, Hulu for a two-week trial. I think for free. So you could watch yeah. it probably in two weeks because there's only yeah. six episodes a season. So they're short seasons. Yeah, they're like mm. I think there's like 32 episodes altogether, and they're only like 25 minutes a piece. But anyway, gotcha. that is a. That is a show that we'll talk about at some point, uh, but we're here to talk about HBO. Uh, HBO. I'll start with HBO News. Uh, got a couple of news items here. First off, pour one out for softcore porn because there's no more soft more softcore porn on HBO if you don't count uh, Game of Thrones or True Blood. <laughs> but I, but oh, where am I going to find my Red Shoe Diaries? Uh, well, you found that on Showtime, I believe. Back uh, in the nineties, oh, sorry. <laughs> what, what you did find was Taxicab Confessions, Real mm-hmm. Sex, and Cat House, that which chronicled the life of a Nevada brothel, and all those uh, Katie Morgan specials. They've been wiped from the service, and all the streamings, all the streaming outlets, and HBO networks—they're not softcore porn anymore. Very sad. Sad. Well, there goes so- my Taxicab Confessions intro cast. Awesome. Thanks, HBO. <laughs> Well, wait a minute. So they've basically gotten rid of all of HBO's shows. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, HBO's softcore porn adult late night programs that were that's all of it. A big part. You mean, of, you mean what so we've been watching has been softcore porn? Because it seems like most of what we've been watching. Ha- I mean, <laughs> so did you see? Did you see those Marines going at it? <laughs> well, yeah, that was the next thing I was going to say. So that leaves all the World War II stuff, basically, is what's left. I, there was a lot of smoldering looks in the Pacific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the <laughs> True Blood, Game of Thrones, that's all still on HBO because HBO thinks, no, that's not softcore. That's just TV. Right. Regular that's TV. Just, that's yeah. just porn. Forget the softcore part. Yeah. HBO porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean,. What little I saw of True Blood had an awful lot in it. You oh, know? it is a kind of get worse. worse. Yes, it is a <laughs> campy, sexy show uh, that, yeah, it, it can border on softcore porn at times. Yeah, but at least it wasn't boring softcore porn like the no. other stuff was. It's got a story. It's got storylines. It's, it's got, got story, character stuff. It's got, it's, you know, yeah, it's it's got some. It's got some levity sometimes it's got a little sexiness sometimes it's actually got something going on as opposed to whatever that one was we saw why do we need this show when we have angel (laughs) 
let's let's talk about that when we get into it. <laughs> yeah, really. An HBO representative said over the past several years, the network's been winding down its late night adult fare. While we're greatly ramping up our other original program offerings, there hasn't been a strong demand for this kind of adult programming, perhaps because it's easily available elsewhere. I wonder how much of this has to do with the fact that they're uh, broadcasting Sesame Street now. <laughs> do you guys not know about this? No. I don't yeah, first that. broadcast of Sesame Street will be on HBO. This happened a while ago. That's right. And then after like 10 whatever, it goes on to the public uh, broadcasting markets and online. Right. That's right. I remember hearing that now. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Well, there was a theory that when they were bought by AT&T that the the bosses at AT AT&T wanted them to clamp down on racy adult fare. But they said, no, this has been a decision that's been in place before the AT&T deal. So, like, there hasn't been a new episode in Real Sex for, like, a long time. And I used to watch that show, so... Because it was like... I think we all did back in... It was interesting because it was kind of like a documentary. I mean, it was really like, like this is how, like, these are adults that go to, like, a tantric sex retreat or something. Like, I feel like that episode was, like, the one they always showed. And, you know, so it was like, well, slice of life. It was a documentary that you turned off when your mom came home. Yeah. Yeah, It was a sexumentary. Is that a word? I don't know. Yes. Uh, But speaking of porno, uh, have any of you listened to the podcast, My Dad Wrote a Porno? No, no, but I've heard about no. that. The podcast, which has amassed in excess of 100 million downloads, sees Jamie Morton reading a chapter from the Belinda Blinked series of adult novels written by his real-life father under the nom de plume Rocky Flintstone, with his <laughs> friends James Cooper and Alice Levine providing commentary. The books follow the sexual adventures of an enthusiastic 30-something woman called Belinda Blumenthal as she navigates the exotic and erotic waters of the pots and pans industry. <laughs> okay. HBO is producing a comedy special of its live show, which will land on the network in 2019. The, the, this podcast has gone on tour, and whenever they've gone on tour, they've like, had sold-out audiences. That's funny. My dad wrote a porno shows the extent of just how embarrassing dads can be in the best possible way, said <laughs> Nino Rosenstein, executive producer uh, or ex- executive vice president of HBO programming. James, Jamie, and Alice transformed a very awkward situation into an undeniably hilarious experience that we're excited to share with our audience. It's go- exciting. Did they underline exciting? <laughs> you know, it's a funnier premise than it is a funnier podcast. I found when he's reading. It- his dad's fiction, his friends, I find interrupt way too often with little quips. And mm. it's kind of like, like not, not every, you don't have to say everything that comes to your head. Like you're trying to, it's a little too hard, I think, to be funny. This is kind of what they uh, say about our podcast too. They think that they're too funny and they're not that funny. <laughs> One star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are hilarious. I always thought we were the funniest podcast out there. Why are we number one? Uh, yeah. You're the number one dead Deadwood podcast. That's now true. That you it's no true. longer cover Deadwood. It's mm-hmm. true, Nutty. Good point. <laughs> There's only two, so are we in the comedy section? The other one pod fade? No, they pod faded for like a year, but they're back to producing episodes. I mean, whatever. Good for them. <laughs> Speaking of podcasts, HBO is developing a half-hour comedy series based on the Lesser Gods podcast created by Colleen Scriven. Variety learned. 
The series is set in the future where men and women are no longer able to reproduce. The five youngest people on Earth indulge in parties, affairs, rivalries, and fame while contending with the struggle to save the species. Should the project move forward, it would be the latest television project based on a podcast. Among those in the works currently is Homecoming, starring Julia Roberts at Amazon. And FX is developing dramas based on the podcast Crime Town and Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to a podcast about the writer's podcast, writer's panel about uh, the Welcome to Night Vale uh, show that's coming up. It's interesting. Sorry, but it's going to be hard to see how that translates to the screen. Yeah, it is. It, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's going to be very tricky. Very, very tricky. Oh, we'll see what happens. When are they adapting this podcast for TV? Yeah. <laughs> and what would it be like? And who it, would play us? It's, it's going to be like a reality show and uh, style format. And it's one of those things like with Big Brother where you just log in to watch when you're bored. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so, someone will say, uh, this TV show based on this podcast, uh, the people who made it think it's a lot funnier than it is one star. Yeah. <laughs> one star. <laughs> HBO is making a teen drama called Euphoria based on an Israeli series described as a look at the brutality and pleasures of teen existence today. Euphoria follows a group of high school students as they attempt to cope through sex, drugs, violence, and an effort to make sense of an uncertain future. HBO drama SVP Francesca Orsi describes the series as kids meets train spotting and what might exist when parents don't exist. This sounds awful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a real you know, a vehicle for more soft corn porn and, uh, and just indulging in lots of things to try and make money. It sounds like a hardcore version of 13 Reasons Why, which already gets enough flack from parents' groups as being too sensational and explicit. It seems like a disaster. <laughs> How dare I mean, people talk about suicide? I, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll be, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, could be. I'll do a good job. I I don't know, but it, it my cynical my cynical part of me says, oh, this sounds like something to be exploitative and make money. But I hope I'm wrong. Well, kids, if you recall, when that was released, it was a very controversial movie. Train Spotting yeah. is very dark, <laughs> uh, darkly comic, but just unsettling. Like it. it um, I still have nightmares of that baby. Uh, I. The part when he crawls down to the toilet. No, thank you. Um, yeah, it's the worst. It's, it's a gro- that's a gross movie, um, intentionally so. Very traumatic um, by drug use. I, I can see value in making I such a show. wanted to do heroin, I'll tell you that much. I'm, I'm very ambivalent about the description, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it will, be, maybe it will have that subtle touch. And, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I'm just prepared for the backlash for that one. The lead character will be played by Zendaya. You may know her from the Disney Channel series Casey Undercover. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) She was also lately in Spider-Man Homecoming and The Greatest Showman. Zendaya. I loved her in Spider-Man Homecoming. She played MJ. Okay. Who does she think she is that she only has one name? Come on. (laughs) She's only 22. (laughs) She's Zendaya. Uh Uh-huh. All right. That's who she is. She's, she's awesome. Uh, last bit of news of an upcoming TV show on HBO. Stephen Moffat, who... Uh, sorry. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, we'll let's 
circle back to that in a sec. Known for his work on <laughs> Doctor Who and Sherlock will be adapting Audrey Niffinger's novel, The Time Traveler's Wife. He says, I read Audrey Niffinger, Niffinger, I don't know how to say her name. Niffenegger. Uh, I read her novel, The Time Traveler's Wife, many years ago and fell in love with it. In fact, I wrote a Doctor Who episode called The Girl in the Fireplace as a direct response to it. When in her next novel, Audrey had a character watching that very episode, I realized she was probably on to me. All these years later, the chance to adapt the novel itself is a dream come true. The brave new world of long-form television is now ready for this kind of depth and complexity. They made a movie of that book, didn't they? They did with uh, Eric Bana and Rachel McAdams. And when I, it's been a long time since I read the novel and watched the movie, but I remember the the movie being a very, very simplified version of the novel and being pretty disappointed by it. But that's because the novel is very long and the movie's like two hours. So they compressed a lot and I thought they lost a lot of it when they adapted it. So Mm. we'll see. So, What's the shade you're throwing there on Moffat, Carol? What's that about? I hate what he did with Doctor Who once he became in charge. I absolutely hated it. I still hate it. And now that I've seen the trailer for the new Doctor Who, I'm really worried about what they're going to do to the first female Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a little rant about it on Facebook this morning or last night. I don't remember. But, well, he's um, no longer involved, right? I know, I know, but he's apparently lo- left his great big footprint. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was hoping when he left that, you know, like I didn't like the way he, I didn't like the whole way Capaldi was introduced where, oh my God, he's old. Oh, that's so gross. Um, I didn't like that. I, I didn't like the fact that the, that the doctor was the least interesting and, and I didn't like, Matt Smith being a clown and the doctor being incompetent through Moffat's run. I didn't, I, I didn't like a lot of stuff about Moffat's run. And now I'm, as I say, now I'm worried about, I was really hoping that we would have something, you know, that we could get back to having something really good. And, and I just saw the trailer. I know I'm late to the party. It's been a busy summer. Um, the other day and with her saying, uh, something to the effect, um, if I'm really, if I ask you really nicely, will you be my new best friends? And I was like, really? We're going to start out a female doctor with saying she, with her asking, she's nice. Will you be my new best friends? It's like, okay, we're going to make her childish. We're going to make her infantile. Um, tea party. <laughs> what was that? Sorry, what was that? I said, let's have a tea party. Oh, let's see, tea party. <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna back Carol up here a little bit. Uh, I know that Tech always says that one of the things that drives him nuts about, um, you know, the Moffat run of Doctor Who is how all the companions have to be special. And, yeah. And the whole point of the companions were they were normal humans. And that's what was special about them and that their humanity was special and that influence on the doctor was the special part. And since the, since he came on the scene, uh, everybody had to be turned into like this amazing special thing and this impossible girl and all these other things. Um, and then there's a whole laundry. We don't have to go into the laundry list of 
it's misogyny and all sorts of things that oh, show yeah. up in Doctor Who under Moffat's run. Um, I will say that I think that Moffat has some great ideas and he works much better with a partner that tempers him because I think he did much better with the Sherlock series with his uh, his partner who played Mycroft but was also one of the, the, the writers and directors. I, I like... I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Well, really? have you seen okay. Sherlock? Uh, yeah, I've seen, I think, maybe all but one or two episodes of Sherlock. Ah, awesome, awesome. So, and I, and I liked stuff. Sherlock when it started, but then I kind of g- got less enamored with it as it went on. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think yeah. it was one of those, they were done and people kept saying, no, we want more. Hmm. Which is the same problem that Arthur Conan Doyle had. Yeah. <laughs> I I liked the Sherlock. Sorry. Um, this is my phone trying to play an ad, sorry. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Sherlock um, the first, you know, at first, and I liked. I mean, Moffat did some great episodes of Doctor Who. He did some fantastic episodes of Doctor Who, um, but that was before he became in charge. That was yeah. when he was being controlled. You know, there were some controls on him, and I got so I wasn't that thrilled with Sherlock after a while. Um, but I think one of what I find, um, a problem with Moffat when he is on his own, that was a problem in Doctor Who fit much better into Sherlock than Doctor Who. And that is he likes things to be extremely complicated. Um, Mm -hmm. he likes really, really complicated for the sake of being complicated. And that's fine for Sherlock because the whole, you know, point is to get Sherlock to, figure out ridiculously complicated things. Um, but for Doctor Who, it was just a distraction because that's, you know, Doctor Who is about, you know, characters and journey and, you know, and all of that good stuff. And the the companions, as you say, um, what you said, it was just, my friend and I have talked about that many times where the companions are not just... Um, human for because he they bring humanity to him though that is absolutely true they also are the audience's way in yeah and and when you have you know the impossible girl and all of that and the companions being the mystery well then they aren't the way in they're you know something else and uh and you also he also had a tendency to make companions a whole lot more interesting than the doctor and mm-hmm. yeah. that that shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. The companion should be interesting, but the doctor, you know, should be, he should be the one that's kind of a mystery. I mean, and the way his mind works should be, or her mind works, its mind works, uh, should be much more um, of a, oh, wow, that's interesting, than how the companion's mind works. You guys just yeah. started to yeah. What? What? What was that? You should guys should start a Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> you have a lot to I, say about. I, I said a long time ago that uh, I would watch Doctor Who if I was like a co-host on an intro cast for Doctor Who, watching it for the first time. But Carol, no, nobody wanted to start one, and I was like, you know what? At this point, there's actually I had when you said that I said I have some people. I have a couple people who would probably be good experts on Doctor Who. I don't feel like I'm an expert because I 
you know, it's like I've watched them, but I've forgotten a lot of it because I was kind of grinding my yeah. teeth and, okay. and rolling that's my one eyes of the during best, That's one of the best ways to do an intro cast, though. I mean, uh, <laughs> what? no, I mean, like, what does everyone really like about um, potential cast? It's that Stephanie was able to relive her joy of watching Buffy with new people. And how many times does she go, I don't really remember how this goes. Yeah. And, and the listeners love it. She says that on Angel all the time. I don't even remember this. I don't yeah. care. I don't remember much of Angel either. Mm. <laughs> I, You're all I, terrible people. Angel uh, was the I best. Know. I remember it Angel, very distinctly. Angel, no. Angel was not my favorite. Though I liked Angel. I, I you know, I really, uh, that wasn't, I'm not an um, Angel fan compared to my I'm definitely more a Buffy fan than an Angel fan. But I like Angel. It's just the last two seasons of Angel uh, are at a time in my life when my viewing habits changed a lot. And um, it was very difficult for me to keep up with Angel. So that's one of the reasons. But yeah. Oh, season five is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is. But Parts of season five are great. Yeah. Other parts, not, not so a, much. The first six episodes or so of yeah the, the first episode a week the first few episodes are terrible but yeah. the rest of the episode, or season's yeah. great it's a strong it ends so strongly that show like it, that, yeah it ends and i great. don't i don't feel that buffy ended as strong as angel ended at all i i think season seven of buffy is my least favorite season i would say i like the very end of season seven of buffy and i like a few a re- uh, few episodes from season seven i'm like everybody has to love the jacket right um but uh or is it just called him i can't remember um but i do think that angel finale was a bit more wow um yeah. but also at the same time when buffy's finale happened that was pretty wow in and of itself yeah. um yeah. We should, i we should think it's less so rewatching. Yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just just uh getting back to Zendaya, by the way, why does she have one name? Because she has four freaking weird and four names, and three of them are weird. That's why she goes by one name. Really? <laughs> I just looked her up on Wikipedia. She has three weird names and a normal last name, so she goes by one name. Huh. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. I just find okay. it pretentious. There was an actor on Young and the Restless who shortened his name to one name, and he was like in his 20s or something. Uh, mm-hmm. He's still on the show, and and it went back to his full name. It's almost like he grew out of that. It's like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be well known and famous. One name, please. And then after a while, he's like, Oh, this didn't work out. <laughs> two names. I'll go like, back to two. <laughs> become Jensen Eccles. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wasn't him. But um, what about Mark Wahlberg? Every now and then, someone will bring up Marky Mark, and uh, he just you know <laughs> cringes. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, good times. When you came in, the air went out. And every shadow filled up with doubt. I don't know who you think you are, but before the do bad things with you I'm the kind to sit up in his room Heart sick and eyes filled up with blue 
other HBO news? Wasn't that enough? <laughs> I felt like that was enough. No, I'm pretty sure <laughs> there is. That's 40, me saying, God, I hope there's no more HBO news. There's no more news. There's no more news. We're going to move on to talk about the premiere of True Blood. This first aired September 7th, 2008. Lasted seven seasons. Total of 80 episodes. It's based on the Southern Vampire Mysteries by Charlene Harris. But someone needs to summarize the pilot for those listeners who haven't watched it. Uh, and would appreciate a little bit of a recap. This is a segment that I stole from Intro to X and the Ramjack podcast. I'm going to spin a wheel here. Uh, there is a slot on it for the guest. <laughs> well, it's trying to. It, you'll just have to trust me. Why? I don't. Why is it? Why is there no audio here? Oh, there it goes. Oh, that sounds like a sad wheel. If, well, it it missed the the first part where. where you just have to trust me that wheel? the entire thing spun around before it landed on Mel. <laughs> I feel like it's been a while since Mel had to do this. Yes, and I don't. We watched it what yesterday. Yeah. Oh. You already forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Come on, Mel. Uh, I'll give you some time <laughs> to collect your notes, collect your thoughts. Uh, but for the listeners, Mel has to describe the plot of the premiere of True Blood in sixty seconds. If she goes over, she loses, but if she goes way, way, way under, uh, she's a chump. She's a redneck vampire chump. Vampire isn't really so much of a redneck compared to the rest of the characters in the show. You just let me know when you are ready. Oh, sure. All right, well then, uh, count you down. Three, two, one, (laughs) go! Oh my stars, it's a vampire! Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So we're in this world, I guess, where vampires are a thing now, and they drink blood like out of a bottle of beer. I don't even know. And uh, there's this waitress that's, uh, she's got ESP, but not really. It's really confusing because it doesn't seem consistent. Sometimes she has ESP, but then when her brother murders people, she doesn't. So anyways, yeah, her brother murdered a lady, maybe. And uh, I don't know. No, go on. With my time, (laughs) go on. Sorry, sorry. My apologies. Sorry, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) sorry. Wow. Are are we in three minutes now? Two of them being just (laughs) Carol saying sorry. Screwed now. Sorry. (laughs) Well, should I I start over? That was sabotage. I don't know how I feel I about apologize. that. I apologize. I apologize. That was I just came out. I don't what know do how you, that came out. Do you, should she have a do-over or? No, I, don't I want think a do-over. we should just let it lie. All right. Well, I mean, if I I stopped the timer when Mel when I heard Mel take a like a pause and stop talking, and when I stopped it, it was at one minute exactly. So I'm just gonna count that as a win. <laughs> Yay, oh Mel! <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Mel? I it got was, you a win. It was Sorry, all Carl. perfect with I your opening you. line. <laughs> what did she say? What, what was her opening oh. line? Oh my stars! Oh my stars! <laughs> I thought she, I was a little afraid she was going to do the entire summary in that accent. I have to say, <laughs> I I almost wanted to because I kind of it's kind of a fun accent. Just do the rest of the podcast in that accent. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Oh. Mm. 
so silly. Lots of push-up bras. A lot of stuff, push-up so. bras. A lot of push-up oh, bras. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a, lot of da- a lot of Daisy Dukes. And a lot of Daisy Dukes. Well, it's hot down there in Louisiana, in Bonton, Louisiana. Mm. So, has anyone else on the podcast read the novel? Yes. Nope. Yes. I oh, have. okay. I've read them all. So, I feel like the push-up bras, the big hair, the tackiness, it's all written in the books. Okay. I feel like the pilot is as good a representation of the books as you're ever going to get because as the yeah. show goes on, it becomes less and less like the books until the point where it doesn't resemble the books like even close. But yeah, um, until Charlene started writing the books to be more like the show and then the books uh, horribly sucked. Yeah, I oh. don't really remember the last couple books, but... What they capture really well in the pilot, uh, in particular, is the character of Suki Stackhouse and how she's mm-hmm. raised by her grandmother and is kind of a prude, um, but in a good way. She's just yeah. very, you know, she's she considers herself Christian. She considers herself good and noble, and sex stuff just makes her really kind of like uncomfortable and just like when when um, why well, she keep scene, throwing herself at that guy then? <laughs> can't help it. It's like a <laughs> magnetic a, well, allure. I, there's the allure, but there's also, I think, she's she's compelled by this vampire who she can't read his thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when they have that scene in the in the restaurant, or in, in Merlot's, and Lafayette and Arlene and the other one uh, are having that really sexual conversation, she's like, Lafayette, I, I don't want to hear this. Like, it's... Right. <laughs> yeah. It's great because that's that's really the character of Suki. Onion rings, and if you drop a few of them on the floor, that's fine with me. Got it. Ooh, Suki, chicka chicka brown round. You look like a porn star with that tan and pink lipstick. You got a date? No. When I wear makeup, I get bigger tips. <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. That's it. These damn rednecks are suckers for packaging. And I get even bigger tips when I act like I don't have a brain in my head. But if I don't, they're all scared of me. They ain't scared of you, honey child. They scared of what's between your legs. Well, I forget. That's nasty talk. I won't listen to that. (laughs) Do you even know what's between a woman's legs, Lafayette? I know every man, whether straight, gay, or George motherfucking Bush, is terrified of the pussy. Oh, what are we talking about? Listen, not everybody is gay, okay? Not everybody wants to have sex with you. Oh, you would be surprised, Arlene, people you know. That's all I'm saying. Well, I don't want to have sex with you. Uh Uh-uh, me neither. Y'all bitches just don't know what you're missing. I got six years on these hips. No, baby, you don't know what you're missing. You can watch it walk away, make you want to slap it. Oh, you want to slap it? Everybody know that. Everybody been there. Ain't that right? John been there. Slapping it. Take these, baby. Peaches and cream. I give you a little cocoa. Peaches and cream. little cocoa. Ain't that right, John? Shit. When I first watched this, I did not think that a person could really be that way. I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, there is no woman of that age who is, you know, able to be so socially uh, uh, aware and still be absolutely squicked out by any sexual talk until I met one. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, So a good friend of mine, I'm not mentioning her name. Uh, but we did a Game of Thrones marathon in season one, and um, basically she covered her eyes 
and asked me to tell her when the sexy parts were over. (laughs) (laughs) How old is she? Uh, She was in her 30s. (laughs) That's funny. So it must have made her really uncomfortable. The the sex stuff, yeah, made her uncomfortable. But she loved the books, loved the show, and could still enjoy it. It was just one of those. The books are also sexy. Oh yeah, yeah. Did she Even like more over so. those pages, or I, you know, for some people, uh, things in prose are easier to handle. Uh, other people, it's harder. I know, like my sister couldn't read the books because uh, they freaked her out too much, and then she watched the show, and she's like, "Okay, now I can watch the books because my imagination isn't going to make it worse than the show." Um, so you know, everybody has like a, a different temper- temperament for it. Um, but uh, you know, it was so when I was rewatching uh true blood this week i was like or last week whenever it was i was like wow that reminds me of my friend (laughs) is realistic (laughs) yeah now suki being able to read other people's thoughts would that make her more or less inclined to be kind of a prude about sexual stuff you'd think she would have heard the dirtiest stuff and at this Mm. point if someone actually says something out loud which is probably the tamer version of what they're thinking You'd think she would have would almost be like, eh. We heard terrible stuff. Yeah, we heard terrible stuff through her brain in this episode. Yeah, I I can only imagine like if she works with Lafayette, like the things that she hears coming out of his brain all the time. Mm -hmm. So I mean And what's up with that? Why can't you not turn it off, but then sometimes you can't turn it on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing from the uh, summary that you guys only watched the first episode, right? Yeah. And a little bit of the second one, but just, not, not just much. the opening of the second one. <laughs> so I watch. I think they both, get a little bit almost all oh, of the second I, one. Yeah, they do get more. Yeah. yeah, they get a little bit more into her powers and how uh, when she knows somebody, she can train herself to block out their thoughts more. Um, and and it's something that she really tries to do because she doesn't think that it's right to listen in on a friend's thoughts. Uh, it's harder with a group of people. And if she's touching someone or they're touching her, their thoughts are more amplified. So she can't help but hear it. So when the guy, you know, when somebody like grabs her or smacks her on the bum, she's not only feeling that, she's also hearing it in her head. Um, so it's much more amplified, uh, which is one of the reasons why uh, I think at one point she touches uh, Bill and and she's like, oh, I can't I can't hear him. Uh, right. and, and she's very stark by it. She's a bit like Buffy in Earshot when she's trying to hear yeah. Angel's thoughts. She's like, I can't, why can't I hear your thoughts? And he's like, well, because there's like <laughs> nothing going on in my head. They're like mirrors. The thoughts are there, but they bounce off or something. I forget the line. Yeah. The thing that bothers me about Suki, especially in the books, because for some reason in the books, there's always this constant theme of her needing money to like repair her grandmother's house that she lives in that's falling mm-hmm. down. And she's like, God, I really... What, that adventure with the vampires really set me back financially. Uh, I guess I have to take this side gig, a little bit of money, so I can fix my porch or whatever she says. And it's like yeah. you have you're telepathic. You could read people's thoughts. You could you could work for the government. You could work for the CIA for national security. You could work They'll for a just private. You could work for a private company and and think like what of how invaluable you would be for some like she giant could, corporation. She could, 
She could hire herself out to like work for families of coma patients or uh, people who are nonverbal or, you know, there's she could even do it in a human money in a humanitarian way. She could literally do anything. I understand your son can't speak. Yeah. She she said she chooses to be a waitress and then worries about how she pays her cell phone bill. (laughs) I think I, I think Suki's not that intelligent. Like she's got some street smarts, but she doesn't really know how to manage her life yeah 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 just a simple girl from a backwater town yeah i mean and also there's i mean when you were talking about before about working for the government and all that i mean definitely the moral things would be but would be problematic but as melanie said there's you know there's uh there's definitely you know humanitarian things you could do but then again you have to come out and be really public at that point and i'm not sure i mean with how she was raised and everything else and where she's from i've i've known people who who uh you know had were in those situations and were raised with the whole thing of you're a spawn of the devil because you have you know you have psychic things going on and uh and it's it's a hard thing to live down and to deal with when when you're raised in that that particular group and and you're told that you know these powers are from the devil and and et cetera et cetera. I, I get that, but that's not Suki's character because Suki's whole family seems to know what she can do. Like her brother references at some point, and her grandmother is such a sweetheart. Yeah, that you can't imagine that she'd ever think that about. Suki. So that's that's well. Let's talk yeah. about her brother. Like but how much her does, parent? There was a whole thing about her parents. Anyway, go on. How how, yeah. how much does Jason understand about Suki? Because at one point he's like, I don't know, Suki. I just sometimes I know things like the way you know things sometimes. But then later on he's like, Don't read my mind, goddamn it. So does he think that she just knows things sometimes, or does he know that she actually can read minds? I think he likes to pretend that she can't because it's hard for him to deal with the fact that she can. And so when he first said, I just know things the way that you know things, that was him deflecting and trying to like shove that thing into her face because everybody else in the, in the town, they, they think she's crazy. And, uh, in the books, it's, you know, many people think she's mentally retarded. Um, and and so I think he's just kind of throwing that in her face to make her defensive and get her to back off. But I think I think he knows and he understands to a point, but he doesn't want to know. So he likes to pretend that he doesn't understand. Jason's not as stupid as he thinks he is. As he thinks he is? Yeah. Or rather, <laughs> as he pretends to be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of interesting, though. You know, it would be interesting to have a character who's just not as stupid as they themselves think they are. Yeah, um, no, it, it, that's exactly it. Like, I it think happens that, all the time in yeah. her life. Well, he's leaning yeah. into what yeah. uh, what other people think of him as being just a mm-hmm. dumb ex-jock, sex-starved kind of simple kid, you know? Yeah. yeah. Is that not what he is? I... I feel that's what what he is. I don't, I don't recall any any great like flashes of brilliance in later seasons where like wow he really transcended and became a an intelligent like an intellectual heavyweight. I don't think that happens. I didn't watch the second episode, but it, how, like he definitively murdered someone. I don't see how he's gonna get how he can be in he the next. He did not. Episodes. 
So in the next episode, you see that she was videotaping them having sex. Yeah. He absolutely freaks and leaves thinking he killed her, having no idea what to do, which is why he goes to find Suki and then gets distracted and has sex with somebody else. Um, oh my or God. tries to have sex with somebody else. Uh, but as soon as he leaves, she opens her eyes and just starts laughing. Okay. Because she was. And the cops saw this this tape where she's laughing or no? Yep. Yeah. The cops yeah. saw the tape and they show it to him. But what? But as they, as he says later on in the episode, he's mad at the cops because they let him think for 12 hours he had killed her. Why did they... And the cops were trying to see if maybe he came back and they wanted to gauge his reaction. But there was no harm, no foul anywhere here. So, like... Well, <laughs> she's still been strangled by somebody. She's still dead. Yeah, she was still dead. Oh, is she a vampire? No. 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 But somebody... Somebody, somebody killed her. Somebody strangled her. Yeah. Somebody oh. strangled her. But it turns out not to be. It's kind of a, a tease during episode two that, you know, you think that he killed her and he thinks he killed her. Okay. But in fact, he didn't kill her. And uh, but I love the one line um, since we spoil the main part. doesn't matter if we spoil the rest. There's a great line where uh, where the police kind of point out to him that, you know, maybe he took all the tapes the, the other tapes that uh, that were there and only left this one so that he um, would have an alibi if he came back and killed her later. And he was just looking at her and he finally says, but I'm not that smart. <laughs> yeah, he's like, you know I'm not smart enough for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love when he gets interrogated for the first time by the police that come to the construction site or whatever they're doing. And um, they're talking to him, and just he's like, the did worst you, liar. He's such a bad liar. <laughs> terrible, like, terrible. Did, did liar. you did you know her? Did you know Maudet? No, really, because we we people saw you with her. Oh well, I mean, I know I knew her. <laughs> and, did <laughs> yeah, you, and did you have sex with her? No. Well, I mean, yes, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. Oh, incredibly <laughs> bad liar. Endearing, was... yeah. Hey, sure, dear boy. Andy. Afternoon, Jason. Something I can help you with? You know Maudette Pickens. Yeah, sure I know her. I buy stuff at the Gravaquit. She works there during the day. How would you characterize your relationship with Maudette? Relationship? I didn't have a relationship with her. I barely even knew her. So you're aware she was murdered last night? Uh, no. Wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I did know that. My grandmother told me at lunch. Somebody called her. What's up with Jason and the law? Maybe they think you know something about my dad. You ever visit my dad at her apartment? Me? No. Ever? No. Boys, I could do a lot better than more dead pickings, believe me. <laughs> you weren't there last night? Last night. Uh, okay, yeah. I was there last night. Yeah. And why didn't you say so? What? Then why didn't you say so? Because I know she got killed. And I thought it would look bad me having been in her place. Well, it does look bad, Jason. It looks real bad. Okay, look. I hooked up with more dad last night. We had sex. That's all. How'd you characterize the sex? Uh, it was okay. 
Nothing out of the ordinary. Well, uh, because we've already seen the videotape. You didn't know she was taping it? No. But I should have. You need to come with us, Jason. Um, just let me tell Renee to take over. You're out there. So is this just a small town thing where they don't put uh, cuffs on people, or if he had actually killed her, would they have put the cuffs on him? <laughs> they just he wasn't arrested. He was brought in yeah. for questioning. You don't put yeah. cuffs on somebody if they just brought it. Like he was never at his rights. He was never arrested. So it's they come down to the station probably because I mean, they saw the tape, right? So they're yeah, they arrest had him. A, I mean, they had a tape that showed that he didn't strang- that he didn't kill her. Um, he just knocked her unconscious. Well, she didn't even seem to really be unconscious. She was acting like she was unconscious, but because she she started laughing and brought her head up as soon as he was gone and but, called him a moron. So. And was she was she like stuck in the position where she's like chained up and nobody's there to help her get out of it, or what? No, she was she, able to release herself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think she could just stand on her tippy toes and bring her uh, hands uh-huh. up over the hook. It was just a hook. Yeah. So yeah. it wouldn't have been a big deal to, you know, just stand up. But yeah, it was, you know, so they had something that actually showed him not killing her. So it would have been difficult for them to arrest him. So they never yeah. did arrest him. Um, but uh, yeah. we got to see Farnham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. William Sanderson oh, right. is E.B. Farnham. Or the rather, as the sheriff, whatever. Yeah. I don't know his character's name in this. Sheriff Dearborn. And was the hillbilly guy, was that fuck you guy? Yes. <laughs> it was. Which hillbilly he, guy? He said it the same way. He said fuck you in this too, and it sounded similar. <laughs> yeah. Which That's hillbilly awesome. guy? I didn't realize that. Fuck Which hillbilly guy? You know, the, the, main, the main guy. The, <laughs> the, guy main guy. The, cha- the, the guy who got the chain around his neck. Um, something rat tree? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the guy that was name. draining Bill. Oh, yeah. Um, Mac, Mac Rattray. The bald guy. Okay. Uh, hurry. You're taking him home. <sighs> too dangerous. Where are we going to hide a dead vampire in our trailer? Well, at least we wouldn't be out in the fucking open like this. <sighs> I just need some V-juice. I need it bad. My body is starting to hurt, and I just need to get it in me. God damn it, Mac. You're a fucking drug addict. You know that? Woman, would you just shut the fuck up? Sometimes when you talk, this is what I hear. You crazy bitch! This ain't her business, you stupid cunt. Now, see, that just proves how low rent you really are. You have any idea who you're messing with? You don't want to be on my bad side. I'm not so sure you even have another side, you know, Count Backwoods trash. The actor's name is James Parks. Uh, he was in the pilot of Deadwood as the guy who goes, Fuck! Well, you do it, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to step on anyone's toes. 
Matt, I love how you start with the wind up and then you just stop and you're like, oh, oh, Matt, you do it. It's really it's your thing. It's, I don't want to take your thing from you. It's so much fun. So can we talk about Tara? Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. So did, did any of you guys watch the unaired pilot other than Matt and I? No. I did. I tried, but I couldn't get it to, um, it, it was not formatted well for my, my computer. Okay. Go on. So in the books, what? Tara yeah. is not that important. Tara is um, also white. Uh, yeah, she's white. <laughs> she's Suki's friend from growing up. But as they started to become teenagers, she distanced herself from Suki. So they're not that close, but uh, they see each other every now and then. Uh, uh-huh. In the show, Tara is essentially important to Suki, and Suki is essentially important to Tara, and Tara is instead of being a a nice, simple, whatever character, is a very angry, snarky black woman. And the actress who plays her is amazing. I absolutely love Tara. And I think the first actress that they have in the unaired pilot is 100% wrong. Mm. And it comes off so bad. Uh, Do you disagree, Matt? Well... After I read the novels, or at least the first couple, uh, because I knew that the show was going to be made for HBO, I got a hold of this pilot months before it aired on HBO, before its official airing, and I want to say I watched it at least twice. So in I had in my head, the actress's name was Brooke Kerr, who played the original Tara. I had all of her mannerisms and beats in my head, so when I actually watched the the pilot or the real premiere, mm-hmm. the new Tara played by Rotina Wesley felt wrong to me only because I was used to the other one. Okay. So I have, I came at it from a very different place that almost, I think no one else had really had that experience yeah, yeah. Of, of having it. Cause, Cause I didn't even know how I got access to that pilot. I got it off the internet at some point. Um, but I think the first actress, I think she's a good actress, but I feel like the portrayal of Tara is a little too what soft stereotypical. Well, no, not even soft. It's it's um, it's it's anger for anger's sake, um, and it's the stereotypical angry black woman thing. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> the, the Tara that we end up seeing, and then we get a lot more from it. Again, it's hard to tell from like one episode. Mm. Uh, you see her where her anger starts. And uh, you see how it's more a part of her personality and it's it's not really always, uh, you know, oh, I'm angry and I'm going to be angry about racism. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, it's just she's always angry and snarky and quippy and you end up just laughing at her and she comes like almost a Cordelia in the mm-hmm. sense that she screams everything the audience is thinking. You know, like when Suki's going towards Bill and she's like, why are you going over that vampire? You idiot. I, <laughs> um, I, yeah. I do like the character, at least at the beginning. But again, yeah. I liked all the characters at the beginning. It's only toward the end of this show uh, in the later seasons when I ended up disliking everybody because the show was bad at that point. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, I, I like Tara almost as a concept, but I, I really have a problem with this first scene. It feels... Very on the nose. So on the nose. It's so scripted. Yeah. Like yeah. it's beat for beat, like written. Like there's no. It just doesn't feel natural at all. Like she Agreed. it goes from zero to 
Eleven in like a flash. She's not instigated it really in any way, and it comes off really mean. I think. Yeah, she does not come off good in the beginning there, and she really doesn't. Welcome to Super Save a Bunch. Aha, I'm looking for that thick, translucent plastic sheeting, the kind they hang in front of the doors or walk-in refrigerators. Um, we don't sell that here. You could try Home Depot. I tried them already. They sent me here. Oh. Now, I cannot believe you don't have that stuff. Oh, I don't even know what it's called. Sorry. Well, you're supposed to have everything. Well, we don't have that stuff that you don't even know what it's called. Your website says that this is the most well-stocked store in five parishes. Now, I just drove over an hour from Marthaville. Uh-huh. Does our website have a phone number? I suppose it does, So, it never occurred to you before you drove an hour to pick up the phone and call us to see if we stopped whatever the hell it is that you're looking for? Well, I think that if a business chooses to classify itself as... Why don't you just find it online and have it delivered to your house? (laughs) Or are you just looking for an excuse to wear them ugly-ass clothes? I would like to speak to your manager. Fine. Wyland! Trust me, you're not getting me fired. I am quitting. You were just a fucking catalyst, and for that order, thank you. You are a very rude young woman. Oh, this ain't rude. This is uppity. Ooh. That's for patting my ass too much. I'm gonna get my baby daddy who just got a prisoner come and kick your teeth in. Jesus, Tara, please don't do anything Oh, like- my God! I'm not serious, you pathetic racist. I don't have a baby. Damn. I know y'all have to be stupid, but do you have to be that stupid? Shit. Oh, fuck this job. Well, I it's not that I really disagree with anything she's saying or thinking, but it it's it's so inorganic that I really don't like that scene and and um I really can't say that the other uh, actress who plays Tara does it any better. It's just a little different. It short sells the character, I think. And and yeah. It's a really poor first introduction. Like I know that they're trying to get Okay, this character is hostile all the time. Let us show you at h- how she loses her job. And it's like, honestly, I think we could have gotten everything we needed just starting with Tara from the phone call. It's we didn't need hard. to see the altercation. It's a bit hard to like get sympathy for a character when they're sh- the first scene they're shown in is just like not really doing their job and then reeling off of it on everybody. And then you don't really get like that context of how she was treated. Like she says she was treated bad, but you don't know. Cause you've never met her. You've right. never seen. And, and yeah, you've never seen. Uh, so I can understand, but I guess it's just the way that the other characters played off of her that I was like, Oh, like I don't really like, it seems odd, you know, like it doesn't seem because they all seemed really shocked that she said stuff like that, like mm-hmm. that she accused them of all those things. I, so, if, if you know what I mean? Sh- like, it, it, they, I feel like they should have had a bit of a different reaction. Well, instead of having her um, just sitting in the chair reading the uh-huh. shock doctrine by, by Naomi Klein, she could have like uh-huh. honestly made an effort to att- an attempt to provide service to to a customer but then mm. found that the customer yes. wasn't listening or wasn't tolerant yeah. was racist was yeah. sexist something exactly and have yeah. her respond to that yeah. instead yeah. she was an antagonist mm-hmm. yeah, and- she was totally wrong i mean she was she was totally totally wrong in that scene and everything she was doing was wrong i mean 
you know, she's she's not doing her job, and then she's getting nasty with this woman who, okay, the woman's clueless, but you know, that's what you're there for. Yeah, a lot people of people are clueless. Yeah. yeah, that's retail. That's retail. It's, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. She I, wants to help people who don't know what they're looking for. <laughs> I, yeah. She I, yeah. yeah. I hate, I hate the scene, but but I know that I I know that Tara is a good person because she's friends with Suki, and I know Suki wouldn't yeah. be friends with somebody who didn't deserve her friendship. So I know from that that I'll end up liking yeah. Tara. But this first introduction, who boy, I don't like her at all. Because when well, you start, you're not sure if this is going to be a friend of Suki's. You are just seeing a yeah. woman. You don't know yeah. who yeah. this yeah. is going to be. Yeah. Um, I go ahead. I actually felt like they were playing into racial stereotypes that I did yeah. not like, to say the least, between the lazy, as in not mm-hmm. doing a job, and when she said, oh, this isn't rude, this is uppity, I'm like, no, that's rude. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole thing of, oh, playing the race card, yeah, that's what black people do, that mm-hmm. kind of crap. You know, I was yeah. like, oh, I'm not liking this too much. I really don't like where this is going at all. And 100% so, agree. Yeah, I was not. I was not thrilled at all. Say the I least. think the whole scene is uncomfortable, and I really do think if we had just met Tara when she calls Suki, we don't even have to see the altercation. I right. agree. We can have Tara screaming and ranting about the altercation, and that's all we ever needed. That's Did we right. need that scene? Did we need her to pretend to play into a stereotype? No, we that's- didn't need. Any of that. That's an audition scene. You know, that's the scene yeah. you use for, for actors auditioning to play Tara, but you don't film it and put it in the show. It didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we we haven't talked about the teaser, which starts oh, with yeah. a very David Lynch shot of driving down the road in the dark, except unlike David Lynch, which would have lasted 10 minutes for no purpose, <laughs> this, this shot ex- lasted exactly long as it needed to, mm-hmm. which was like, one second. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, David have, Lynch, you should uh, you should watch this. Take notes. Um. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually, all I had on here was an uh, interesting teaser, I, which was more than I've written on a lot of other stuff. But uh, And then very rural South credits. I'm trying to remember exactly how the teaser went, but it was. It was a very interesting teaser. It definitely got my attention. So... Two kids are driving in, well, the kids, they're like in their 20s. They're, oh, right, they're, right. They are build this frat boy and sorority girl. Uh, and I just want to point out that the sorority girl is Jessica Strop, Strop, who right now is playing Joy Meacham on Iron Fist mm-hmm. and is so good on Iron Fist. Yeah. I just, well, yeah. first of all, the character of Joy is what a trip. She's like one of the best things about that show. In the second season, do they flesh out why she went? She turned heel at the end of the... I've only watched four episodes of the new season of Iron Fist, and, yeah. and so far I, I still don't can't make sense of her character at all. <laughs> um, wow. But I, I liked her performance in that. So in this, she's just like some, some girl, and she's got this great line where she's like, yeah, I knew this girl who knew this girl who did Vampire Blood in Greek Week, and she like <laughs> clawed her own face off. <laughs> now, the only problem with the teaser is that the guy looked enough like Jason that I thought yeah. that it was Jason. And yeah. right up until now, if you told me that was Jason, I would have said, yeah, of course that was Jason. I get, he was I just get with that. another girl, mm-hmm. you know, I agree. Now, admittedly, a lot of people in small towns look alike. 
<laughs> but it sounds but, like you have um you have like a blonde bl- blindness just like Matt does. You can't yeah. tell blonde <laughs> people apart. I couldn't tell I, half guys apart either. I have I have like unless you have a distinguishing characteristic like to me most average white guys look the same. Yeah. Uh I was watching this this like uh training video and they had four people on the screen and there were two white guys and two diverse people and uh it was like wait but isn't that just the same guy on the left and the right of the group i don't understand they're not uh, two separate people but they had different names i don't understand did you watch the pacific then because that must have been hard <laughs> no i did not watch the pacific it's just all white guys you know so yeah, yeah. And, and they're wearing and, you know, helmets like they so you can't have... even, they're all wearing helmets so you can't even see their hair yeah i was told yeah, what... that the terror is is has a problem with that because they're all white guys with British accents in the same clothes. And, but you know, it's, there's a reason why in theater and in, in movies and stuff, traditionally they've cast people that look dramatically different. Um, yeah. When, it, whenever, I mean, they cast, you know, blonde brunette and redhead type thing. And it's it's not just because ooh some guys like blondes and some guys like brunettes and some guys like redheads, it's it's so you know who's who right away, and that's why in theater you dress people in in you know very different colors and you try and keep that color scheme so people can identify them right away. It's you know people aren't real good at telling people apart that they've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is really interesting feedback that they should have. They should have pulled you guys before they made this uh, show. <laughs> I know. Why they didn't would have they, re- they would have recast that guy. Sorry, Honestly, guy. <laughs> they should pull us before they make any show. Let's be real. About it. I agree. They're I just mean, trying to show us how inbred they all are. <laughs> I love. I love the trailer, though. I love how the not the trailer, the teaser. How the teaser yeah. uh, supplants our expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, you're watching it, and it's oh, look at this guy with the silver jewelry and the long hair, and Oh, maybe he's a vampire because they sell true blood. And then the, there's like this redneck looking guy with the real tree camo shirt and pants and hat and everything. And you don't even notice that he's holding a four pack of true blood the entire scene. You don't notice that unless you go looking for it. Y'all have true blood for real. You get vamps in here? I didn't even think we had any in Louisiana. You didn't know that New Orleans is a mecca for the vampire. Seriously? I mean, New Orleans? Even after Katrina? Didn't they all drown? Vampires cannot drown because we do not breathe. Dude, no harm intended. We're just a little drunk. Nice. I could use a cocktail. Score! I totally had you guys. <laughs> that wasn't funny. Uh, no, Kelly, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. What? Oh, we don't care what you think, dude. You know where we could score any V juice? Gross, Fred. No. How much you need? I knew this girl. I knew this girl who did vamp blood during Greek Week. She like clawed her own face off. Seriously, I can pay good money. Okay. You two need to leave. All right. Fuck you, Billy Bob. Fuck me. 
I fuck you, boy. I fuck you, and then I'll eat you. Right. Well, I don't think at this point you really know what True Blood is. That's true. That's true. But uh, it's also some nice exposition dump here with that little clip of real time with Bill Maher. Also, this gas station gets Mm -hmm. HBO. Like what? Uh-huh. How does that happen? Um, but he's watching uh, the the gas station attendants watching real time, and Bill Maher's talking to the head of the Vampire League or whatever it's called, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, humans killed a lot more people than vampires, and also we don't even need to drink uh, thanks to the uh, Japanese perfecting synthetic blood." It's like, "Oh well, thank you for all that exposition." Right. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that that was really well done. I made a note of that too. That uh, the the exposition was very good on uh, on that whole thing. And I wrote down the uh, what was it called? I I had written down the American Vampire whatever. Mm. I don't know where it, where it is, but it's in my notes here somewhere. It sounds um, so real, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, does. it also gives us like uh, an insight into the timeline that we know that everyone knows that vampires are real in, at this point, but they don't know a lot about them because mm-hmm. these kids are like, oh, New Orleans has vampires even after Katrina? Like, they don't, <laughs> like, it's all new to them. Like, so we, they just learned that vampires are real. They don't know really anything about them. It's been two years, okay. according to... to um... Suki at one point. Two years since they came out of their coffin. Aha, yes. yes. Very funny line, very like on point of, of the metaphor yeah. they're going it's, for. It's it's putting a lampshade on the fact that vampires are a metaphor for homosexuality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and these main titles Among are great. I, did, I mean, I got sick of them by the end of the show, uh, end of the season or series. Forever. Uh, but initially... I, I loved them. I think they are iconic and just encapsulate the kind of mood of the show, the kind of campy, fun, sexy times of the show. Great song, I, I, great titles. I noticed that they were, there's parts of them that are really brutal, um, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. which was like an interesting combination of, um, as you say, sexy times and, and stuff, and pretty brutal. Like the maggots? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's gross. I mean, the show can be very gory, too, but it's always a campy kind of gory. Yeah, yeah. Um, talking about the teaser, I do want to mention, we don't see it in the first two episodes, but I think it's like episode three or four. There's this one, like, side character that we meet briefly that I wish we got to see more, and it's an older, uh, middle-aged, you know, in a middle-aged, uh, overweight uh balding guy that had been turned into a vampire and and he and lafayette hook up a bunch of times and it's such a neat thing because it's like i thought when i was being turned into a vampire i'd be sexy forever but if you don't start out sexy i mean (laughs) like who wants to be with a vampire like me i I have always said live each day as though you might be a vampire (laughs) and i just i love that He's not an uh, like a a big guy in overalls with a a belly and stuff, is he? Uh, I don't remember the overalls. I was thinking the guy in the bar is hitting on the guy. The guy who plays him. The guy who plays him 
played the owner of the radio station in, uh, I think it was called News Radio, like, like Jimmy James. Oh, uh, he's, a, he's a pretty famous co- comic actor. The guy from oh, office you're talking space. about Hess? Yes. Was it, was you're he... talking about from WKRP in Cincinnati? No, no, it was no. the 90s, like, retelling of that with David Spade. Was it Stephen Not Root David Spade. Oh, else. oh. Oh, I, I don't know remember. His name. Oh, I don't know yeah. who you mean though. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who the actor was. It was the Phil Hartman show with Andy Dick, and then their boss was anyway. He's a comedic yeah, actor. It's he's very Root. well known. Stephen Root. He's okay, in that's Office his name. Space, uh, King of the Hill. Yeah, I think yeah. that's who you're thinking of. Um, yes. and it's it's a great little scene, and I just love because the guy in the teaser reminds me of it because it's like no one looks at him and thinks that's a vampire. And you have to wonder, what is his life now that vampires are out of the coffin? Like, is he just sticking to true blood? Is he actually finding people? How is he getting them to come home? You know, when was he made a vampire? What What's his story? Like, th- these are like little stories that I would love to know about. Can somebody write vampire fiction about, like, not sexy vampires? That'd be awesome. Hmm. I bet there must be some fan fiction out there like that. I'm not a big fan fiction person, so... I don't know, but that that overweight guy in, in the overalls uh, felt yeah. bad for him because Tara and Lafayette have so much personality, like he can't even handle it. Like he doesn't even know what's happening. Well, and she's being, you know, she's being a jerk. She's being a jerk. He's she's but Lafayette is being is being overtly sexual. Okay, I don't really like her yet. You I know, mean, she's a, a jerk like all the time. It's a and it, she's she's nasty and she's mean to people all the time. Yeah, and. It's not like, you know, like kidding around stuff. She's just mean. She's just mean. She's obviously <laughs> she's obviously putting on a on a front because she's secretly very vulnerable. Like that's her character. You know, very Well, that's that's fine. You haven't got you haven't gotten the shade. Being... Yeah, you haven't gotten her shades of yet. Well, there is a little bit of a flash in the pilot where you can see she's attracted to Jason and he doesn't really even know she exists. And that's kind of like, hey, she can be vulnerable. Yeah, but that doesn't help the people she's being mean to. I know, I know. She's kind of... You know, I mean, that's always one of those things where you're saying like, oh, poor person, they've got, you know, all these reasons to be who they are. And it's like, okay, that's fine, but they're hurting people. Uh, You know, it's like, you know, it's like where they need to straighten up. <laughs> need uh, to, just, you know, just because not, you have a poor home not, life doesn't mean you, you can abuse other people. Right. Exactly. Right. Does exactly. any does anybody watch American Horror Story? No, I try. We've seen a few seasons. Uh, we watched the first three or four. Okay. I, I, it's I think it's the, one of the couple later seasons where Adina Porter becomes a recurring cast member on that show, but she plays Tara's mother on True Blood. And we find out that her mother is an alcoholic and a lot of Tara's life has been rescuing her mother from the depths of her substance abuse. And her civil war obsession. Well and no 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 Tara's Tara's, Tara's oh, Tara. mother. Yeah. Right. So uh, she would mother. she would seek refuge at uh the Stackhouse household yeah. uh with Suki and her Suki's grandmother. Uh and that's where she kind of her kind of attraction from Jason comes along too, because Jason was always kind of in her life uh, as a and part un- of that safe unattainable kind of you know aspect of of that environment. Um, I I wish I liked and her Tara mother's Morris not just but I, yeah. I, her mother's not just an alcoholic. Her mother's also like mentally ill, and and there's you know a lot of abuse Tara grew up with, and 
you know, you get you get some explanation, but it's yeah. Like I said, she's a shouty Cordelia. Yeah. Again, yeah. like that's that's the problem with the show is that all I kept doing was comparing it to Angel because I was like, Lafayette is Lorne. Like, you yeah. know, like <laughs> uh Tara is Cordelia. You know, like you can't you can't get away from it. It's just mm-hmm. so similar, but at the same time I still like I agree with Matt. Like I think Angel was a better This, this show. whole show is redundant. <laughs> it's redundant. Yeah. We, we need this. <laughs> and I'm I, I was about to say, and it's a shame you guys don't even get to meet Eric, but with that analogy, uh Eric is what, Spike? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Oh yeah, so. and uh, Bill Bill is basically Angel. He's a brooding vampire. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Bill <laughs> is definitely Angel. There's Bill no- is Angel and he is uh Louie from uh you know, Interview with a Vampire. So who's and uh, Spike yeah. and Lestat are Eric Northman. So who's Wesley <laughs> in this parallel? Who's Wesley uh, Wyndham Price? Uh, you know, Sam? kind of yeah. Well, I don't think there's anybody bookish in this show. No. <laughs> See, yeah, that's no. what the show needed was a Wesley, and they don't have it. Therefore, <laughs> therefore, it's stuff. crap. One star. Uh. <laughs> my question, my question is: since you, since there's a spike in here, is he as good as uh, the original? In the books, he's so much better. But uh, he's he's. He's prettier to look at, that's for dang sure. Yeah. And um he no, no, no. He's much prettier to look at. Uh he's fun, but uh in the books he's so much more fun. So just a quick rundown of, of the other characters. Um Eric, yes, he's a he's a Eric Northman, he's a vampire or a Viking vampire, right? He that's his yeah. backstory. Uh runs a club called Fantasia. Uh his assistant is Pam, who in the books I like so much better in the books. Yeah, she and Suki are like friends in the books, and in this, they're always antagonistic. Um, mm-hmm. I like her so much better in the books. Uh, and in the books, she's she's like on her off time. She's this middle aged looking, uh, very nice looking in in always in very nice immaculate suits kind of a thing. Doesn't she love pink? And that yeah, and she loves pink. And she, she loves very girly things and you know high heels like Jimmy Choo kind of things. Um, and then in and then she would dress sexy while she's working at the bar because that's how they get money from from the humans. But um, in the show, it's like Pan is oozing sex all yeah, the time, super sexed up, and it's just a different character. Like I. I know people love Pam on the show because I've never read the books and that's, that's fine. But I compare her the Pam. I, she's not the Pam I wanted, you know, and all right. I didn't, you know, <laughs> and there's a character that in the books uh, that never appears in the show. And I kept waiting every season. Like, are they finally going to introduce Amelia, the witch? I know Suki's uh, friend uh, roommate. And they never do. They never. Bring I think they combined. I think they put like a lot of what Amelia would have done into Tara, but it's not. It, Amelia would have been a great character to bring yeah. to the show. Yeah, a lot of a lot of missed opportunities, but then the show did a lot of things that the books didn't, never thought to do. So it's kind of interesting. They they really they with this premiere capture a lot of the appeal of the books, and then just go on a completely different path. But all right, you know. Yeah, but and the show cool. never put Eric in a pink onesie g-string and that is a missed opportunity i don't even remember that but i will take your it's the second it's the second book and he's all excited because they're going to an orgy and he's like playing it he's 
totally pretending like playing off like he has this flaming gay guy and and Suki's constantly like are you pretending or he goes and he's just like I'm a vampire gender means nothing hmm. like it just doesn't matter like what what is your problem and it's it's awesome and he's just hysterical but you never get that in the show Sam is the bartender uh, owner of Merlot Sam Merlot um is uh I think pretty on par with book Sam kind of uh, yeah. an everyday kind of guy, everyday kind of dude. Very, very desperate. Yeah. He seems in love desperate. with Suki. In love with Suki, but I didn't think he was desperate about it. He was, he was just concerned about her and stuff. I don't know. Now, Carol, you've never seen this before, right? Right. Never have. I saw There's more to Sam. I saw the first episode and just now, I mean, so yeah. the first episode and all of the second up to seven minutes before the end of the second one, second okay. episode. And so there's more to Sam. I liked Sam. Sam seemed like a good guy. I hope that's going to continue because yeah. the series could definitely use a good guy. I thought that the uh, guy playing Bill, I mean, he was creepy right from the beginning. Um, yeah, he, he was. Stephen Moyer. Was, yeah. And who he I, was really creepy. He has a child with Anna Paquin, doesn't he? Yeah, they got married. Uh, they fell in love and got married when they were doing this. Yeah. Really? Are they still married? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'll look it up. So Anna Paquin and Stephen Moyer are still married, and they have two children, Poppy oh. Moyer and Charlie Mo- Moyer. What are their names? Poppy and Charlie. Poppy and Charlie. Okay. Bill, in the at least in the first episode, and I think most of the first season, is a really dark... No, not dark, but... Creepy dude, a little creepy, but a little uh, mysterious, alluring, sexy, enticing, dangerous. I, I I like Bill so much starting out, and then it's almost like the more as the show goes on. I already said this. I end up disliking pretty much everybody by the end of it. But he definitely becomes a character that I like less and less as it goes on. When it, he starts at such a cool place. I remember liking him and I remember liking like the the pilot and everything so much more than rewatching it. Rewatching it it was very tropey and rewatching uh, at least in the second episode I I see like the beginning of like manipulation and abuse from him and I'm just like oh so it was here the whole time I just missed it cuz you know vampires. Also All right. what came first this or um Oh, what's that other fucking thing? Oh, Twilight? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, Twilight. What came first? This came first. This came first. Interesting. Because I feel like I, I just was getting some Twilight vibes from this. Yeah, I mean... A little he, bit. Well, Twilight was, so, was ripped from everything, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was so so creepy, though. I, I really... Um, yeah, I saw some manipulation and stuff going there, and... But she called him on some of the stuff, which I appreciated. Like when he couldn't, um, he couldn't glamour her, mm-hmm. and um, and she said, "Oh, you know, you like to control things. That's not a very, um, you know, good trade or likable trade or something like that." And yeah. uh, you know, I mean, obviously, it really bothered him. But you know, she hadn't been able to read his mind, so it kind of makes sense that there's something else going on with her. Um, yeah. And there's the dog. We haven't mentioned the dog. No, it's it's not as obvious that the dog is more than just a dog at this point. 
It was obvious to me, and I've never seen Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Who do you think the dog is? Right from the very first moment the dog showed up and, you know, licked her face, and then and he, and he she said, oh, it's just a dog. And he's like going, yeah, sure it is. You know, I mean, it was pretty obvious that, you know, he, he knew she, something she didn't know. And uh, then when the dog showed up again, it's like, okay, so, you know, I mean, I don't know what the dog is, but... Uh, Just a magic-talking dog. This world has magic-talking dogs. Oh, okay. Well, the dog hasn't talked yet, but... No, no, no. <laughs> Matt's I'm being facetious. I'm just, I'm just oh, big okay. an asshole. Well, uh, <laughs> no, the vampire did say... Bill did say that some vampires can change into other shapes so of other things. So I was like, oh, okay, so we're not dealing with the werewolf thing. We're probably dealing with a, another vampire that can change into a dog. Well... It's, yeah. I will say that we do we do we spoil Carol? Well, we she don't sounds to... like she's going to be watching more. Well, I will say that there are shapeshifters and werewolves and witches and fairies and demons. I think and all manner of gods. Yeah, gods and demigods and okay. there. This is a very populated universe. Like basically every kind of fictional fantasy uh-huh. kind of character is is in this universe and i i really do like how the show starts with just as humans and vampires and there might be other things and then it slowly fleshes out oh, okay there's, there's so, other things so basically there's been a lot of other stuff but humans are just finding out about all of it now slowly they're just and, finding out about vampires humans the right. mass media does not know about the other things uh, because they don't have true blood okay like they don't have uh, a safe alternative to be public yeah. Okay, because she she mentions, I mean, I had figured there must be werewolves, um, and maybe the dog was a werewolf, because she mentions werewolves and then says, not that I believe in werewolves, or not, and I'm like, okay, well, there is some foreshadowing for us. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so there's, you know, I assume that there's going to be werewolves, I just wasn't sure what else there might be, or whether the dog is going to turn out to be I mean, I assume they put in the thing about the vampire and she mentioned the werewolves, both just for me, <laughs> so that I wouldn't be sure whether the dog was one or the other. <laughs> Thank yep. you very much, writers from long ago. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if they get this point across very well, but vampire blood is like almost like an aphrodisiac or it's like a drug that, yeah. when consumed, gives you um, energy, vitality. And it's heightened some, sense. Okay, so they did kind of explain it because that's yeah. why they were yeah. draining him because his blood will fetch a price somewhere. Yeah, yeah. They no, they they haven't been clear about what happens. And in the second episode, with you know what happens with her, it made me you know one of my notes is okay. So how are vampires made in this universe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Does, you know that's one of the things that I've kind of got like. It's it's not a big question, but it's a, you know, like, all right, you know, we've got rules to this universe. Well, that's a, one of the big ones. How how are vampires made? If people are out there drinking blood, vampire blood to get, you know, as an aphrodisiac and and or to get better, you know, like their senses and all of that. Um, <clears throat> how are vampires made? Yep. I think you find out. <laughs> uh, okay. I can't. I can't remember it exactly. Yeah, me, uh, yeah, so me neither. How many but, seasons before they make Suki a vampire? <laughs> Suki never becomes a vampire. Oh. 
Okay. Suki yeah. is something else. I never Eric. understood in the Buffy Angel verse how people came became vampires. It seemed kind of inconsistent. No, it yeah. was very. It was consistent. If uh, they they would bite you, and then you had to suck their blood. They would suck your blood until you were almost dead, and then they would cut a vein, and you would suck their blood um, until you were revived. And then what was inconsistent was how long it would take yes. between the time you sucked the blood. That's what to I the mean. Time you woke up as a vampire. Yes. That was inconsistent. And if you and had I to be buried they, or not. Well, you didn't have to be buried. People would yeah. bury dead people. So if you were, I guess if you were one of those long-term people who didn't wake up right away as a vampire, you would appear dead and people mm. would bury you. Well, I and, seem to remember an episode know, of Angel in the season two when Darla and Drusilla were in town. And mm-hmm. they were Someone maybe was Drusilla. I can't remember. Yeah. Somebody was being buried yeah. for the purposes was, of becoming a vampire, and it was. I well, don't know. That was I don't want to get back into that, but I'm just saying. No, so, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're talking about, and and I can just very quickly say that that had to do with Drusilla being crazy. Okay. Yes. Uh, so, uh, in creating a vampire, uh, the creation process uh, takes three days, though sometimes it's been known to take longer. Uh, so the vampire must drain nearly all of the blood from the human body and replace it with their own. So it's not just a little drink. It's a full, you know, mm-hmm. blood swap. This can be do- done all at once or over several days. Once the entirety of the human's blood is replaced, the body needs to be buried in the earth for at least 48 hours. This is generally not a peaceful process, and it can be very disorienting disorienting to the newborn vampire. Sometimes it may also be painful as the physiology is changed from human to vampire. After awakening, the newborn vampire must dig themselves from their grave unless they were aware that the change was about to take place. This can be very frightening and a confusing time for them. Immediately after extracting themselves from the ground, their hunger must be attended to as soon as possible. A maker is responsible then for their child unless extreme circumstances prevent the maker from being there when the child awakens. The maker will generally provide sustenance for the child and then take them and teach them the ways of being a vampire. This process is generally uh, takes only a year, though most makers keep their child with them for as long as possible. After all, they did give them eternal life for a reason. Mm. So is this uh, True Blood or Buffy? Rules? True Blood. Okay. True Blood. True. Not um, not Buffy rules. I see. So I, and then I'm in later in the season, uh, or not that far. Uh, we see the process of a newborn vampire, and we get this, you know, as they called her, the baby vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, she becomes a character, and it's it's actually very interesting. Yes. Um, <clears throat> the character Jessica, who's not in the books, but is probably the best thing that the show ever did. <laughs> Like on its own terms, because that's she's a fantastic character. And the what's the name of the actress? Because she's on Daredevil now. Uh oh, shoot! I, her Debra, name just left my Deborah, right? Deborah. Oh, shoot! The girl who plays the she plays Karen Page. Karen Page. Yeah. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Deborah Ann Wool. That's yes. Her. I couldn't remember her Deborah name. Deborah Ann Wool. Yes. Oh, and there's a, a little footnote that in True Blood, uh, creating a vampire to save someone. Uh, is not like a hot idea because often it can have devastating results um, and it can result in um, the vampire having a mental handicap, deformities, or even dying. 
So whereas in other vampire fiction, often they turn somebody to save their lives. Uh, that's not a good idea. It's much better to just let them die in true blood. I've got a couple trivia points here to read. Uh, creator Alan Ball had to get a root canal, showed up 30 minutes early to his appointment. With time to kill, he visited a Barnes & Noble across the street and saw Charlene Harris's book, Dead Until Dark, the first in a series of 13 novels. The tagline is, maybe having a vampire for a boyfriend isn't such a bright idea, which made me laugh, Ball told METV Legends. I'm from the South. Charlene's from the South. It had a very authentic Southern feel to it. It's this great mix of drama and comedy and horror and sex and violence and social commentary. She walked a line that was so incredibly entertaining, I couldn't put the book down. Mm. Uh, Anna Paquin welcomed playing a part that she described to the New York Times as being about as radically different from me and a lot of the work as I've previously done as you could possibly come up with. In an interview with Rolling Stone, Paquin explained how people saw her as too serious. But it only takes one person with a little bit of imagination to go, you know... Pale-skinned girls with brown hair can also be blonde girls with a fake tan. And presto change makeover. It's not rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> she, she actually she actually looks as good as a blonde, too. Like, she looks decent. Yeah, I, yeah. I love it. I disagree. I look. Oh, boy. <laughs> Her eyebrows disappeared. Yeah, but that's a blonde girl eyebrows. I don't know. Blonde girls have blonde eyebrows, man. What do you... <laughs> I like Rudolph. Hey, there's some of us have no eyebrows because we're blonde. That's all that happens, you know? I mean, my son. Eyebrow shame. My son and I were actually talking about this very problem like two nights ago. (laughs) (laughs) He got my eyebrows, you mean? He got my blonde eyebrows. We have eyebrows, you just can't see them. That's, you know. You know who doesn't have eyebrows is Whoopi Goldberg. Mm -hmm. That's true. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, good to know. Uh, <laughs> but what about uh, Keenan Thompson when he plays Whoopi Goldberg uh, in SNL? Does he have eyebrows? I don't, I don't know. know. I, didn't know he did. I didn't know he did that. Why does Whoopi Goldberg have no eyebrows? I don't know. She just doesn't. She just um, doesn't. I used to think that she shaved him for to play Guinan, and I was like, then I started looking at other things, and I was like, no, she just does not like, have eyebrows. It looks like he doesn't. It looks like they make up over them. Maybe. Yeah, they make up over them. <laughs> that's great oh i love that because <laughs> he usually has them yeah but yeah for Whoopi goldberg he doesn't oh that's great <laughs> nice i have a new appreciation for that uh for those sketches <laughs> um there's there's i did a quick google search at, for Whoopi goldberg in eyebrows and it says the first article is Whoopi goldberg has no eyebrows and you've probably never noticed it <laughs> no we know I, that's like yeah, i've one never of noticed, noticed. Um, yeah I've never noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Some of us have, and some of us haven't. Things, All right, moving things on. Things brought to light. It's like um, Summer Glau's mole. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's a, Once that, you see that, it, that's you can't unsee it. Sarah, <laughs> Michelle Geller, Sarah Michelle Geller's nose. She's got a weird nose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I think everyone notices that. It looks like somebody squished her nose. It, like it was played out. that. Oh. Yeah, she's got a like a really it's a really it's like almost, angular nose. It's almost as weird as Owen Wilson's nose. <laughs> Really? <laughs> huh. Anyway. I always thought Jared Padalecki had a weird nose. Okay, but... we better... <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get sued. Um, and oh, this I'm is... sorry. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg shaves her eyebrows. Ah. That's... Oh, she does. Yeah. It's a style she... choice. According oh, to this okay. article. Well, good for her. Um, but sad news, like... sad news, yeah. while watching this, uh, suddenly, like, 
Oh yeah, Nelson Ellis, who plays Lafayette, died. Yeah, I, I, I knew that. And I've never oh. seen the show, but yeah. No, I didn't He's know that. He's so good in this show. He has so much yeah. personality. Yeah. And oh, that's I, was like, I was like, oh, I forgot he died. Like, it was such a shock. He was only 39. Oh, no. What, he, di- what? he died last year. It's At least, I think it's last year. How, uh, how did he die? Nelson's father has bravely agreed for me to share the circumstances of Nelson's heart failure. Nelson suffered with drug and alcohol abuse for years. After many stints in rehab, Nelson attempted to withdraw from alcohol on his own. According to his father, during his withdrawal from alcohol, he had a blood infection. His kidneys shut down, his liver was swollen, his blood pressure plummeted, and his dear sweetheart raced out of control. Oh, gosh. He was a father, a son, a grandson, a brother, a nephew, and a great friend. And to those who were lucky enough to know him, Nelson was ashamed of his addiction and was reluctant to talk about it during his life. His family, however, believes that in death, he would want his life to serve as a cautionary tale and attempt to help others. Wow. That's another parallel between him and uh, Lorne. Yeah. Lorne's actor died, too. Yeah. 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 And of uh, infection to his heart, but it doesn't have anything to do with... With yeah, uh, no, he just like went to the dentist, right, and got a something dental related, and then it affected his heart, and he died. That was downer. Okay, um, I'm gonna post Harold's feedback in the Skype as soon as I figure out how to use this new Skype. Where's the prompt to put text (laughs) in here? There it is, upper left. Fucking Microsoft, I hate you, (laughs) Matt. Why don't you read this for us, Matt? I thought this was a modestly successful pilot. It did a solid job of establishing its world and characters. Overall, it was okay, but it felt it felt too long, and at the end, I didn't find myself having any interest in continuing on. I think they might have done a better job if they had concentrated on one storyline as an entry point, like if they had wrapped up the business with the human bloodsuckers in one episode... Or if they had advanced Sookie's relationship with Bill to a point where it was more interesting, like, say, he bit or turned her. Matt, you asked for my thoughts about the two actors who played Tara. First, I note that Tara is presently different, or presented differently in the two versions. With original Tara, they build up her anger. There's a sense that she feels provoked. The Tara in the aired pilot has her volume set at 10 from the very start. She is angry with the customer just for being there. The actress in the original pilot came across as nicer and isn't as convincing playing pissed off. (laughs) Assuming that that the choice they made in the aired pilot was the way they wanted to go with the character, I think they made the right choice. Um, Was that the end? That's it? Yeah. yeah, Um, Where have I seen that actress who plays Tara? I feel like I've seen her in some sort of like early 2000s horror movie. Yeah, she looks so familiar. Let me pull her up. Also, for some reason, I think, I don't know if it, she just reminds me of like another actress. I'm not sure. Is it Rutina? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow. Last weekend, the perfect guy. She was in Hannibal. Huh. Yeah, she was uh, Frances Dolerhide. Wasn't that the character uh, from Red Dragon? Oh, yeah, Reba. She was, she was the blonde girl that um, fell in love with the serial killer. Right, the bl- the blind girl. Yes, yeah. that's right. In the yeah. very yeah. Last, Reba McLean. The last I, half of the third season. Right. I didn't watch the familiar. third season, so it Ooh. hadn't come on Netflix yet. So 
The, the um, guy, when the show ended, they just stopped coming to Netflix. It was really annoying. Oh, that's too bad. The first half of the third season, um, uh, too self indulgent and too artsy for me. Although uh, if, if I went back and watched it, I think I might appreciate it more because I was really. What's that? The second half is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the but the rematch, the rematch fight scene between uh, Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Mads in the first half of uh, season three is really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like True Blood is really where she got her start. She was in a a short movie, and she has a guest starring role in an episode of Numbers, and then she does True Blood. So that's really like the beginning of her career. I must yeah. have just been recognizing her from Hannibal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I I loved her on Hannibal, and pl- she played mm. such a different character. Like if you think about Tara and her anger. And her snarkiness on ha- in Hannibal, she was like sweet and dem- demure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, she's great. I Hannibal. like when actors get a chance to change up what they're doing, so that you know viewers can see their range. Mm. Yeah, and I think uh, we talked about how for Anna Paquin, this was a huge departure from anything she had played before, and she also was doing the whole like transitioning from a child actress, a teen actress, to uh, an adult actress, and. You know, this is the easiest way to do it. Something sexy. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I I love when you get to see actors completely different than other ways that you've seen them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm going to have to look at Hannibal season three. That's my, my last note um, before we get to ratings. I loved it when Sam called Suki Cher, just like Gambit says. <laughs> yes, because they're in Cher. Louisiana. Because they are. They're in uh, Bontemps, Louisiana. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. Surrounded by those Cajuns. Those are those guys are my cousins. I guarantee. I, I guarantee. <laughs> are they? Well, oh, yeah. They are actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You know, Acadie and Acadian, like they're all the same, right? Yeah. I just want yep. to say I've got a, a I've got a container of Cajun seasoning in the cupboard, and it's called Slap Your Mama. <laughs> Mel, I should Mel have been drinking a, when you said that. Mel is. <laughs> Mel is, just a ca- Mel is just a Cajun that we didn't deport. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you for not deporting me. <laughs> and there's a lot of similarities in, uh, especially in the music and, and so, even some of the food. Like a lot of times you think of, oh, Cajun in, in, in the South is very spicy. And then you don't think of Acadie having, you know, Acadian, uh, Canadian having lots of spice, but. Go ahead. Acadia food is like very like they put uh, sugar on everything. Oh, it's like it's just like bland as fuck. Yeah, but <laughs> there are a lot of similar roots. Yes. Uh, for the food, uh, like if you look at gumbo and then you look at like uh some some um you know stews and stuff uh that you would see in the north, uh, you can see some similarities in how where they they came with some ideas and then they used whatever was local. And unfortunately, in Canada, there's no spice. <laughs> Canada, it's like it's like potatoes and maybe like a few other root vegetables. <laughs> and well, you know, in out east, you know, you got lots of like scallops. <laughs> yes. Throw some scallops in there, right? It's a lot of seafood. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Sea pie. <laughs> yes, that's right. What happened to my brother, Renee? Oh hell! I promised him I wasn't going to tell you. You. What happened? Oh, uh, well, uh, Bud Dearborn and uh, Andy Belfleur, uh they asked him some questions, and then they just threw him in the back of the squad car. So you don't even know for a fact that they arrested him? Well, they they didn't call for him or nothing. Suki, I am so sorry. 
For what? Y'all already acting like Jason's been convicted of killing Maudette and we don't even know what they were talking to him about. But Dearborn just made a mistake, that's all. Yeah, yeah, it has to be because Jason's a real stand-up guy. No, he's not, Hoyt. He is selfish, egotistical, and a complete horn dog, but he is not a killer. I did have one question, sorry, since we were talking about the Acadian accent, uh, or sorry, yeah, the Cajun accent. Uh, what did everyone think of Renee's accent? Well, you could barely, like, he didn't talk much. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he talks more in the second episode. Oh, yeah, he's I like, had cool. seen yeah. the second What's with He talked movie? a little bit in the second episode, yeah. At yeah. first, when I first heard him talk, I, th- I was like, is he, is he like a, a Latino? Like, I wasn't sure. <laughs> but I don't know. I didn't hear enough of it. So I, I didn't couldn't tell, like, where, what the accent was. I couldn't pinpoint it. But then I realized after, I was like, oh, yeah, like, okay, he's a Cajun. I get it now. (laughs) I don't know if that's accurate or not, the accent. Um, Yes and no. It it really jumps out. Yeah, I've heard the the accent done, and it it always sounds like a parody. But I can't really tell who's putting it on and who's actually doing it. But I've heard, like, actual... Uh, you know, real down Louisiana, you know, Cajun accent, and is like, yeah, I couldn't tell you if you were faking it or not. I just can't. The weird thing so is that they're I'm, all I'm from this that. area, so why, why does only Renee have that accent? <laughs> well, you get a little bit into it later because he's not like from Bonton, but he's oh, from see. like swampy areas. Okay, they justified it then. Uh, yes. And by the way, just as an aside, oh. Carrie Preston, who plays Arlene on this show, she is so good on The Good Wife and The Good Fight. Yeah. Who's Arlene? Arlene is the uh, the redhead at the oh okay yeah. lots. Yeah, the redhead yeah. Ra- waitress. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I I got it. Okay. Okay. I was uh, just looking at my stuff here, and I um the calling it the glorious dead. Oh yeah, and I thought it was interesting when he said. They hadn't determined how old he was, but when he said, uh, asked if he could call on her, mm-hmm. and, and she didn't seem to get it at all. I mean, that's one of those, you know, things where it's like, oh, come on, you know, you haven't watched any old movies at all. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they kind of gave us a clue that he was going to be from that era, at, yeah. you know, beforehand. That was all. I have a bottle of True Blood. It's in the closet. <laughs> They I, uh, I, released a, a True Blood. It was basically it's like a blood orange drink, like a fizzy orange drink. Okay. And I also have a uh, a little poster that says "Friends don't let friends drink friends" or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I think that uh, it's it's very amusing. Um, when she asks how old he was when he was turned, and he's like, "Oh, it's about 30. She's like, "Oh." Oh, I thought you were older. And he's like, it was hard times back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, I laugh so hard at that because, you know, honestly, we always think of like vampires from the older days and, and they're like, oh, these stunningly beautiful vampires, you know, and all this other thing. But it's like, yeah, but if they were turning actual adult, they really wouldn't look as good as adults look now. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just yeah. going back to Harold's feedback. I I kind of agree with him about I wish that they sort of wrapped up the vampire draining thing uh, yeah. in the first episode. I and they would have had time for that if they had cut that terror scene. Yep. What can I get for you tonight? 
What are you? I told you, I'm a waitress. No. You're something more than that. You're something more than human. I <laughs> beg your pardon? Suck it. It's an unusual name, suck it. Is it short for something else? Nope. Just, just plain sucky. Let's rate it though. Nutty, you're our guest. You may go first. Um, you know, I, I, when I first saw it, I probably would have rated it like a nine, um, because it was. I really was impressed with it. But in rewatching it, uh, there's some shaky things. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually give it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a. Uh, a 7.5. I would have given it at least an 8 if that, you know, Lafayette serving food with extra AIDS was in that episode that comes later. It's so good. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to give it uh, uh, 7.5 delusional grannies who don't realize celebrating the Civil War is a good thing out of 10. (laughs) Oh, granny. Uh, I, I can go next. Uh, I think this is a really solid pilot. I like how self-contained it is, that it really just takes place over the course of two days and is mostly at Merlot's. And you really get a sense of who all of these people are and what kind of town this is. And they do exposition for the vampires just enough to give you context without really beating you over the head with it. Uh, I don't like the terror scene, as already stated. Uh, and the character, it takes me a long time to warm up to her. Most of what I like about her is just a reflection of how much I like Suki, and I trust that Suki wouldn't be friends with somebody if they didn't have any kind of like value, because the character of Suki is so well-defined in this episode as being someone who is big-hearted and tolerant, naive, a bit of a prude. Um, I like it when she says to Bill, like, uh, I am a lady and you will talk to me like the lady that I am. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's, uh, she's, she's plucky and brave, um, but kind of stupid as well. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a nice introduction to this show and a really, this is a good solid first season of TV. And the second season's pretty good too. And then it all goes downhill. But for what we got right now, um, I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a nine, a nine point two five out of ten. Girls that like claw their own faces off. <laughs> Mel, do you want to go or should I? I, I mean, I can go. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It was just like this show. I, I wish. I kind of wish I wasn't comparing it. Like that, I could watch it without. Angel knowledge. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. It's just like once you have one type of vampire lore, it's hard to get into different. Do you guys know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's yeah. like you're attached to that particular uh, way of thinking about vampires. Yes. Yeah. Um, You've stereotyped vampires. We get it. I guess so. Yeah. I just I, I don't know. It's just like that's like the mythology that I like. I guess so. Mm. Anyways, it just seems. It just seems... It's probably not historically accurate. You know, well, not that vampires are (laughs) part of history anyways, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? Kind of. Based on, on, like, what people would have said about vampires in history. You know what I mean? 
that's why Twilight is just awful in general. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as well as the other terrible stuff about it. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it was still, I don't know, like the ending of the episode too. I, I kind of understand why they dragged out the whole like stealing his blood thing because her getting beat up. Matt was like, okay, I gotta find out what happens. <laughs> so we started right. playing just a little mm-hmm. bit of the next episode. Right. Right? right? So I can see why they did that. Um, but yeah, overall, um, I don't know. The, uh, it's just so hard because everybody was just so, like, like just so stupid. It's, so, like, it's hard to kind of get to, uh, I don't know, get sympathy for people that keep doing stupid stuff. But anyways... <laughs> I guess I'll give it a 6 out of 10 uh, uh, really weak s- silver binds. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta tell you, the your iTunes reviewers are so wrong because like, you are never gonna get more honest reactions <laughs> from anyone than <laughs> what you get from Mel. I mean, yes. come on. Yeah. <laughs> she, she calls, it, she with calls it, it like but, she sees it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. When I can't find my words, oh man, and I'm, you know what? I'm you get sure. your point across. It works. <laughs> I'm like, I can't find the words. Durr, that's my word right now. <laughs> what they said I, that uh, we aren't honest in our reviews. No, that you guys think you're funnier than you actually are. But oh, I'm, well, I'm bringing out that you guys are 100 honest. I don't think we're funny, funny, but that's okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> I love um, that Mel can't get her words, but yet she speaks at least two languages. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Is she, might, is she the only one in this podcast where we can actually say that's true? Yeah. I don't speak another language, so. I know. You're, you're I learning, either. though. You're learning Japanese. Yeah, it's not going very well. <laughs> I'm not yeah. fluent. I just know spatterings of other languages. Mm, which yeah. is funny. I, I, I just know word here and word there. I don't, I don't speak anything. Maybe not even English. I don't know. I guess I'm am I next or Matt you're next right I can go be. ahead Matt uh, I'm on the same page as Mel I didn't uh, again? like what <laughs> get off of my page um, I didn't really like any of the characters and it didn't feel like a show that was really aimed at me as an audience it seemed like it was more aimed towards Young, horny teenage girls. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? You're not like- a young, t- horny teenage girl. <laughs> That's not a young, horny teenage girl. I'd like to say an aside to that. Uh, people that I used to work with, it was like all these, like, uh, I don't know, like women in their late 30s, early 40s, and they were just like, Did you watch True Blood this week? Oh my God, so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, were, maybe that's where I'm coming. They were always, from. yeah, they were always like uh, just really into it. I know like, of it. Yeah, and they were like, oh, like I'm Team Bill. Oh no, I'm Team Eric. It just reminds like, no! me. It reminds me too much of Sparkly Vampire series, whatever that one is. Well, I was just saying, are these the same women that went and saw Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the same. It's people. that whole thing. It's it's not aimed at me. Um, so. <laughs> It's not for you, Matt. It's not for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go six out of the ten virginal heroines. Mm. <laughs> mm. Little old virgin me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, all right. I I liked it. Um, I 
I can get past the, I'm, you know, it's funny because I'm not really big on vampires. I'm not really big on horror and stuff. But um, I can get past the uh, the Angel um, and Buffy uh, parallels. Um, I, I'm still definitely, I don't know about Tara at this point. I'm, <laughs> it's, you know, she's definitely on the bubble with me. Um, I mean, she was a little better by the time and I was trying to like her, but I was also just very like, ah, I don't know about this. Um, Suki, I liked sometimes and sometimes it was just a little too much of a, like, you know, how gullible is this girl? Um, especially for someone who can read thoughts. Um, but I liked it and I am interested. I did watch the second episode. I would have liked to watch the whole second episode and I'd like to watch more of it. So, so I'm going to go with eight out of 10, um, uh, rural South credits. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Carol, can I ask you a favor? When yeah. you do watch more episodes of this, yeah. after you yeah. watch the episodes, can you post like mini reviews into Gas? I would love Facebook that. group. I would love oh, to see that. All right, that. sure, I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. And speaking, I don't know when I'm going to get around to. Speaking it, of I, our Facebook group, has anyone watched the Snoop Dogg video that I posted called OC? No, you posted it today. I didn't have time. <laughs> I oh, I've been. I've been too busy doing my duty as a Hooplecast member watching <laughs> shows. <sighs> I did not see anything posted today. Man, is, and is he ahead. a big uh, True Blood fan or something? I, uh, I don't know if it was that or if HBO just asked him to do something and maybe paid him <laughs> for the promo. I can't recall. Or maybe he just said, I, I haven't listened to the song, but maybe he just enjoyed writing a song with the word Sookie in it because it's fun to say. Could be.
And we have a whole other show to talk about. Yes. <laughs> Though I don't know how in-depth we're going to get. There's not much plot. Yeah, there's very little plot, and character-wise, I, I really couldn't tell you anyone's name. So uh, it's going to be a pain in the ass to summarize this, but we know Mel doesn't have to do it, because she already <laughs> did True Blood, and we know Nutty's not going to do it, so... I could try! Uh, <laughs> oh my god, I want Nutty to do it! That would be very disrespectful. <laughs> as we, uh, as we talk amazing? about the Pacific, which is even a hard title to say, because I wanted to say the specific, and I know that's not true. The Pacific. Just keep saying the specific. World War II miniseries. Ooh. It's Matt. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it's very near, nearly you know, Carol. This is perfect. I was going to say, I thought it might be me this time, oh. but uh, at the very last minute. Okay. Oh, this is perfect. I feel like I haven't had to do it in a while. Probably have to do it next time we record. It's rigged. It's rigged. <laughs> it is not rigged. It's completely it's totally on the up and up. Just have to trust me. All right, Mag, get your uh, thoughts together. You've got a minute to summarize the premiere episode of The Pacific with as much detail as possible. The specific. If you uh, if you go over, you lose. If you go ridiculously under, you are, I don't know. Let jump. You are a racist chump. No. <laughs> Which I think we'll probably have to touch on when we talk about this episode. Let's oh, yeah, touch some racists. Um... <laughs> All right, you'll be going on three, two, one, go. All right, uh, America has been attacked. Newsflash. Um, <laughs> December 7th, 1941, a day which will live in infamy. Um, <laughs> the, the guys are getting ready to go to war. They've been attacked by Japan. This guy goes to the church, and he meets this, a lady on the way out, and he's like, hey, you want to be my fake girlfriend? And she's like, sure. And then... Uh, he goes and then he gets briefed for the war. He's like, we're not fighting the Krauts, we're fighting the Japs. And then they go have a Christmas dinner and he says an awkward goodbye with his dad. And there's this other guy. I'm This other guy is Tim from Jurassic Park. And he can't go to the war because his, his heart sucks. And uh, then they go to war and they wander <laughs> around and they get stranded on an island and they shoot a bunch of Japanese people at uh, the end. 59 seconds. Whoa! <laughs> Another win. Yeah. That was, whoa. Half full of detail, too. I thought you were going to, you know, get a little too in the weeds there when you started to talk about the girlfriend. <laughs> no, me too. Whoa, but he pulled it out. I guess because <laughs> really... After the, that, yeah, yeah, after, after that, nothing really plot-heavy happens. Yeah. They just wander around. Basically. Well, that... Yeah, I think that's the the point of it is that it's not the experience wasn't what a lot of people expected to have been, or you know, both yeah. historically and and in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Oh, and that is one of my favorite scenes uh, when they are they think they're storming the beach, and when they actually yeah. get to the beach, it's like, hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> There's nothing how, happening. How were they not briefed that the enemy I don't was know. going to be waiting for them? <laughs> I, that's one of my notes, which is uh, nobody thought to tell them that there wasn't actually a war going on, like on the beach, because yeah, that, they that somebody could have been, been shot. Yeah, there's obviously terrible leadership, anyways, as mm-hmm. you see yeah. in this episode. So and friendly yeah. fire does happen, as you see in this episode. Yeah. Yes. So that was just really bad communication, which nobody really. Right. Uh, it's kind of a joke, more than anything, when really someone should have been like, hey, 
that I feel like I feel like that was a joke uh, for the benefit of the audience yes. for this like oh we've seen this before you know saving private Ryan the whole storm in the beach thing they're gonna do that again oh jokes on on the yeah. you audience Absolutely. we didn't do it. but um but um yes. <laughs> screw historical accuracy <laughs> yeah but I'm not sure that isn't historically yeah. accurate if they were the the um, because what they said was the Japanese had um gone to the had retreated into the center of the island and yeah. since they weren't the, they weren't the first wave they yeah so you know, why said, so why didn't they hear from the first wave that hey beach is you know secure <laughs> because dealing with, we're dealing with the military and the and you know sometimes communication sucks mm. and the big wigs do not tell the little wigs what the hell is going on in any situation very often not that i'm bitter about what's going on at school right now or anything but (laughs) (laughs) you're drawing parallels between the pacific and your real life (laughs) yes Uh, but go on just want to say that this uh first premiered march 14th 2010 10 installments considered to be the cousin series of band of brothers Uh, the events of the miniseries come from the book two books with the Old Breed, at Peleliu and Okinawa by Eugene Sledge, and a book called Helmet for My Pillow by Robert Leckie. Before production and filming began, producers estimated that it would cost $100 million. However, it's estimated to have cost around $200 million, making it the Whoa. most expensive television miniseries ever created. The first episode was written by Bruce C. McKenna and directed by Tim Van Patten. And I will just say that Bruce McKenna wrote my favorite episode of Band of Brothers, Bastone, and Tim Van Patten directed the pilot of Game of Thrones, and he most recently directed one of my favorite Black Mirror episodes, Hang the DJ. Mm. Nice. Oh, and uh, the the fake girlfriend uh, at the beginning of the episode, uh, played by actress, I will mispronounce her last name, Carolyn Davernis. From Hannibal. From Hannibal. <laughs> Yeah, hmm. I know. I recognized it. I was like, ah, that's her from Animal. Hmm. I was like, yay. We also have uh, John Bernthal uh, from The Walking Dead, The Punisher, Daredevil yeah. in this as well. So it's fun. Did it's you always mean by- fun seeing actors in their early roles. Yes. What did you mean by fake girlfriend? Did I miss something it's, there? It's such a weird scene. Uh, <laughs> he's at a church. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, yeah I and is like, hey, can I write you? And she's like, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you don't have to. We only have a passing acquaintance, but can I write you as if you're my girlfriend? Sure. <laughs> she probably okay, yeah. she probably figures he's going to die, so she's just trying to be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Vera. Bob Leckie. I'm your neighbor from across the I street. I know who you are, Bob. I thought I was going shopping, but then I passed St. Mary's and thought I'd pray instead. I joined the Marines. Thought I'd do my bit. Fifth in line. (laughs) Well, if I don't see you before you go, take care of yourself. Uh, uh, wait. Vera, let me get that for you. Oh, (laughs) thank you. Maybe I'll write you. Very odd that we don't get to have interviews with real vets like we did for Band of Brothers. Every episode of Band of Brothers began with some interviews. 
where the men were, this was my experience. And then you see it dramatized. But that for me, well, for me, that really grounded me in Band of Brothers and made me, reminded me, like, this is real life. Like, these are real people, not just entertainment. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a real connection to the material. And in this, there's really no context for anything. It just kind of starts. And I feel like I, I wished it was of the same format. Mm. Uh, but is this based on an actual squad of real people, the way Band of Brothers was? Um, that's the thing. I think it's based more like on incidents and kind of anecdotes, and that's why you there's really <laughs> like three main characters that this series follows as opposed to a whole heap of people. Mm-hmm. But still, it, they could have had vets talk about their experience their experiences to frame the episodes and they didn't i don't know why not well i guess because they wanted to make it a different series than you know than the other one had been i mean you you can't use this you know always use the same um tropes or or whatever the same you know well they were considered to be like cousin series or sister series yeah the second half like you went to europe before now we're going to the pacific theater like yeah. of a piece like they why not? Why not frame them the same way? But then within the episodes, show how what a different experience this was. Because it was different. It was Some consider it more gruesome and grittier and brutal. People don't talk about that part of it as much, I find, as the people that went to Europe. Like the people that went to the Pacific, it's not mm. that much ta- as much talked about. Yeah, I don't know why. Do you guys agree with that? Or Yeah, there I are... Agree. Uh, there don't seem to be as many stories about it, no. Yeah. Does it feel like it's less urgent because the biggest threat was Germany and Hitler and therefore everything happening in Europe felt more, as I said, more urgent or more... Maybe. I think it's, I it's think closer. What it, is, it was much more brutal in reality. Um, different, I think it was different kind of In different brutal. ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, no one's go- saying that, you know, concentration camps and the awful trench warfare and everything in, that happened in Europe wasn't brutal, but it was a very different kind of war. <clears throat> and it was fought in a very different way. And I think that there's a lot of things that were happening in the Asian theater that don't make good movies. And they don't make good TV shows. And I was, <laughs> I was reading about... One of the battles, and I, th- I think it's the the battle at Peleliu, where 6,500 6, men were killed on the mm-hmm. Allied side just to gain, like, a plot of land, like a an island that they thought that they were going to use, the U.S. military was planning to use as, like, a staging ground to, to fly ships off, or fly planes off of. And then they turned out that they didn't even need that, yeah. that, that land. Like, it didn't actually no part of the war really hinged on that thing that 6,500 men gave up their lives for. Yeah. yeah. So what kind of movie would that be? A real fucking downer, exactly. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, and, well, and are we going to talk about, like, the rape of Nanking? Are we going to talk about, like, all of these, uh, you know, really not great things? Or, I mean, even, oh, let's 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 talk about when we, we bombed Hiroshima. You know, there's not a lot of good stories to tell there where we come off looking great and where people actually want to sit through and watch it. People, it well, would make, yeah, it would make people feel bad about themselves ex- instead of feeling great about their country. 
Uh, uh, um, no. Well, I mean, wait a minute, wait a second, wait a second. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a whole lot more complexity than, I mean, when you're talking about all the people that died taking individual islands, that's you know that's something that was very much involved with the whole decision for Hiroshima, and as yeah. awful as that was, you know there there were very specific things that were going on at the time that made that that a decision that now did we need to bomb Nagasaki as well probably not but mm-hmm. uh, you know it's uh, there's a lot of different issues on this and unfortunately one of when you ask why do we talk about Europe more I think a lot more of it has to do with the fact that uh, there were a lot there were a lot more civilians killed because of the Nazis, who had relatives in the United States, mm-hmm. than the Filipinos and the Chinese and all who were getting killed by the Japanese, the civilians who were getting killed by the Japanese in Asia. I don't think that makes nearly as much um, as much news because we are we as a country are not all that concerned with China. And the Philippines, yeah, right? Yeah, it's because they're more of an other, right? Yeah. Exactly. Right. And whereas, whereas, and full disclosure, you know, we're, we're all white people on this podcast. Um, yes, and, we are. And yes, we are. Our, our relatives, uh, ancestors, whatever, they came from Europe, and it's mm-hmm. definitely, I think, a little more interesting. Yeah. I think to Americans to sort of see us at war with ourselves, almost, and versus. Mm-hmm seeing us at war with the other, which is yeah. just a kind of, I don't, I mean, I'm not really when you s- putting any kind of uh, preference on it. I'm just sort of stating that as I think what's possibly true. Yeah. I mean, also for that matter, uh, it's very likely that uh, my son's relatives on his father's side, some of them were killed as civilians in the concentration camps in Europe from what I can, can uh, understand. And, you know, that's, pretty common throughout the United States that there are people who, you know, have that experience. We also have people, I'm sure, whose relatives were killed in China and, you know, were killed in the Philippines, but we don't hear from them that much because they are not in the entertainment industry yet and they are not in the, you know, they're not kind of movers and shakers yet. Uh, Well, and will be in the future. And we also have the whole, um, when we think about World War II, you know, when we learn about this in history, it was because Hitler, you know, it's Hitler. Oh, what, what World War II, that, that's Hitler. Mm-hmm. And you don't think Japan. You don't Except think. Except that of, it was Japan that actually got us into the war. Right. Yes, I know. Japan's what got us into the war or got the U.S. into the war. I don't want to uh, include because because uh, uh, Mill and Matt's people <laughs> and the land that I'm living in currently, oh, they were God. already involved. Oh, um, yes, they were. <laughs> yes, yes, they were. They were very much. But uh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. very much. Well, uh, um, anyway, uh, so uh, but when we think about it the first thing you think of is Germany. And I think that so much of like what we're taught in history class and what we grow up hearing is so uh, Europe focused. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure during the time there was a lot more worry about uh, uh, the Pacific side of it. And I mean, actually, I mean, if you watch Star Trek, 
you know, half the people that worked on Star Trek fought in the Pacific Theater, um, one of which was did not fight but was in an internment camp. Uh, right. But, uh, uh, you know, so there we do know that there are people that were involved in that, but at the same time, you know, and at the time it was a very present idea of, of this threat. You know, we threw our citizens into mm-hmm. essentially jails because we were mm-hmm. at war with where their family came from, yeah. um, which mm-hmm. is awful. And, uh, and that, but, and, no, go ahead. Sorry. Finish your thought. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, after the war, it's, uh, it's Germany. You know, we don't, we don't think about the Pacific theater as much. And that's probably why we don't see these stories as much as well. Yeah. My dad was in the Pacific. As a matter of fact, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he was fixing airplanes he was fixing bombers when they came back from, from runs. He was fixing, you know, he was riveting, thing, putting airplanes back together after they've been on. My grandfather on was um, working in the aviation um, in the States before they went abroad. So was my yeah. dad, as a matter of fact. Before he went into the, the Army, he was, when, one of the things, when they have the fellow who is not able to serve, and he's, you know, feeling so awful about it. Um, my dad had always talked about that, how how difficult it was because he was he was um, he was taken last of his brothers, and he was also working for McDonnell Douglas Aircraft. So he was considered in a job that was helping the military. So they didn't want to take him, and he was supporting sole support of his family after all his brothers went were uh went into the military so he was home for most of the war and then near the tail end they took him and then sent him to the pacific so he had kind of both experiences mm-hmm. and uh it was not you know it it was difficult being at home when all the all the men were uh overseas or in uniform you're 18, Eugene. You don't need your father's permission. Can't go against him, Sip. When do you leave? I'm on the 6 a.m. train to Atlanta. Uh, here. Got you something. Barrack Room Ballads by Roger Kipling. Well, thank you, Gene, but I didn't... It's just if you need something to read on the train or you ship out. I wish we were going together. Yeah, well, you take care of yourself, Greaser. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me. Did you recognize... Do you guys recognize that character from Jurassic Park? That actor? No. Yeah, Tim. Tim. Who doesn't get a lot to do in the uh, first episode, since he's got like that heart murmur and his dad doesn't want him to go. Yeah. yeah. This is the only other thing I've seen him in. Yeah. And I've heard he's quite good in this, and that, that character, who kind of is very uh, sheepish and sort of timid... Um, timid um nice. his name, Tim. you see what i did there uh yeah yep. becomes okay and then i foolishly pointed it out i didn't really need to do yep. that um i just was wasn't sure uh it could nope, have been nope. a little too subtle but i forget that i'm working with an advanced crowd um that jokes are funnier when you explain them so it's okay. all good <laughs> um anyway uh apparently that character becomes quite a steely-eyed killer by the end of the series because i was reading some spoilers and he turns really like cold but then they give him a kind of a redemptive moment at the end when he comes across like a hut with the japanese woman and 
she's like begging him to kill her, but instead he cradles her in his arms until she dies or something like. So he, but a lot of what I've read about this miniseries talks about how these men really get put through the ringer and turn into sort of like the worst aspects of themselves because mm. how else can you survive, I guess. The uniform that you wear and the globe and anchor emblem that you have earned will make the difference between the freedom of the world and its enslavement. December 7th was quite a day in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. On the same day, December 8th, on the other side of the international dateline, places called Guam, Wake, Malay Peninsula, Hong Kong, the Philippine Islands, were also attacked by the Army, Air Force, and Navy of the Empire of Japan. The Japanese are in the process of taking half of the world, and they mean to keep it, with death from the air, land, and sea. Here is what the Japs are not expecting. The United States Marine Corps. Now, never mind Europe. The Nazis, Mussolini, Hitler is not going to be our job. Not until they can't whip them without us. <laughs> the Pacific will be our theater of war. The Marines will do battle with the Japs on tiny specks of turf that we have never heard of. You, non-commissioned officers, you are the sinew and the muscle of the Corps. The orders come from the brass and you get it done. And whenever this war is over, when we have swept upon the main islands of Japan and destroyed every scrap of that empire, the strategy will have been that of others. The victory will have been won by you. You, the NCOs, with the chevrons on your sleeves and the instincts in your guts and the blood on your boots, Those of you who are lucky enough to get home for Christmas, hold your loved ones dearly and join them in prayers for peace on earth and goodwill toward all men. And then report back here, ready to sail across God's vast ocean where we will meet our enemy and kill them all. I want to say my, my grand, other grandfather was in the Italian campaign. I believe he was part of the invasion of Sicily. And I can't think of anything that dramatizes that. Do you remember, any of you recall any films about like the Italian campaign, World War II? Uh, the, the only Italian World War II thing that I can instantly think of is, uh, uh, what is it? It's Beautiful Life or whatever, the Roberto Oh Bini. yeah, Life is Beautiful. Yeah. Life is Beautiful, that's it. Uh, which is a fantastic film, by the way. Um, the, and, and subtitles. There was there was an Italian movie a long time ago, um, and I don't remember what it's called. I just have flashes of it. I'm pretty sure it it was it took place in an Italian village. Um, and uh, tea with Mussolini? No, I don't. I don't even remember what it was called. I don't know if I would remember what it was called, even if you said the name. Okay. But, oh, where uh, does that movie? Is it called Fury? That World War Two movie with John Bernthal and uh, Shia LaBeouf and oh, furry, <laughs> not furry. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm trying to, I'm wondering, I think that, is that in a German village? Okay, I wasn't sure if it was German. I thought they went into an Italian home, but I can't. I only saw, like, a scene from it because, uh, like, um, my my husband was watching and I walked through and I'm like, why is, you know, uh, uh, the Punisher with the kid from Transformers with the Ant-Man's best friend and you just, everyone at this table is somebody in something else and it was just really weird. If you want to go comedy-wise, there was the Secret of Santa Vittoria. Mm. Never heard of it. Well, it's a, it's, it was... It was a comedy, it was a movie, it was a comedy, um, just like there were comedies, uh, actually, uh, PT-109, there was uh, the PT, um, whatever, McHale's Navy, it was McHale's oh, yeah, Navy, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there were some other things like that having to do with the Pacific, but, you know, that was comedy, um, but, uh, yeah, The Secret of Santa Vittoria took place in a a little um, village in Italy and the Germans came in and they, um, I'm trying to remember how it worked. They, uh, they wanted to take all the town's wine and there was, it was, as I say, it was comedic mostly, but there was like this. I'm liking kind it of so far. I'm behind that. <laughs> yeah. The Germans wanted to take all their wine. And of course this was the way the town uh, that was the only thing the town had for economics and so forth. So they they uh, went through and they hid all the wine in uh, some caverns or something and made some false walls and and all of this stuff. And most of the movie is the Italian villagers trying to keep the Germans from finding their cache of wine. And at one point, they basically it gets nasty when they sacrifice the the mayor who they've been keeping um, a prisoner through the whole thing because he was a collaborator and they sacrifice him by uh, sending him out to be the one that the Germans grab a hold of and try and force to tell them where the wine is. And of course he doesn't know and bad things happen to him. But so it's, that's like the serious note that they have in there, but it was actually, it was a, Movie from, I don't know, the 70s, the 60s. I don't know when it was. Long time ago. You know, this plot is very familiar to me, so I wouldn't be surprised if I watched what you're talking about, like, a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. It's really, really old. I hadn't thought about it until just now in I don't know how long. I mean, I have no idea when it was or anything. It's just a long time ago. Um, But, yeah, there are some things about... I was just thinking about what was done in the Pacific and stuff. You're right. There hasn't been a lot about the Italian campaign uh, campaigns, which, um, you know, various people, I'm older than all you guys. So yeah, they were, you know, parents and, and uh, <laughs> stuff that, uh, plus my dad was old when he had me. So. But, uh, yeah. well, and there's also like stuff going on in North Africa that we never talk about. Oh, that now that was the Rat Patrol on TV oh, okay. back in the yeah, 60s. that's true. <laughs> the Rat Patrol and, and, oh, and in the Pacific, there was the Pappy Boyington TV series where they dealt with the, um, I've forgotten what that was called, uh, the Misfits and the, uh, what was that called? Um, 
I have no idea what you're talking about. The only thing that I can think about for North Africa is Casablanca. Yeah. 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 That was made while it was going on, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That... yeah. That was made during the 40s. That was made during the war. That's why the whole speech at the end about, you know, we don't mean anything in this. You got to go and fight those Germans, you know. So um, we have yeah. we have at least one or two more World War Two miniseries that HBO could produce. Italian hmm. campaign, African campaign. Get to it, HBO. I know. Yeah. Did this one yeah, but- did this show, uh, was it successful at all or like did, did it kind of fail? or? Was- I didn't pull uh, any kind of ratings or accolades for this one. Didn't- did you guys see the movie Guadalcanal and the, the Jap- both the Japanese version and the American version? No. Are you talking about Letters from Iwo Jima and Iwo Jima, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. I didn't see I the American Sorry. version. No, we only saw Letters from Iwo Jima. Okay. And uh, Flags of Our Fathers, was that the Japanese side? No, that's the American oh, side. Or Letters from Iwo Jima, Japanese. Letters from Iwo Jima was the Japanese one. Okay. Yeah. My husband's relative is uh, an arm in that photo, by the way. What? The, the 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 big famous flag raising photo that you know is referenced mm-hmm. there. Oh um, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's <laughs> okay. a Canadian soldier. Okay. And wow. so it's not just Americans there. Uh, and it's it's uh he's in a, a larger version of the photograph. You can see his face, but the one that everybody uses, his arm is actually helping. Oh wow! So he wasn't That's... photobombing. He was actually trying to help. Yeah, he was he was part of it. And and the whole thing is like uh, the original photo. Uh, didn't really come out. So they actually retook the photo, it's just like an American to put an American flag up with the help of a Canadian and be like, know, "We're taking right? all the credit, right?" <laughs> and then they it's were like, probably it, chanting "USA, USA" as they did. And if you if you zoom into that flag, it says "Made in Japan." <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of racism uh, in this. Which is not surprising. Obviously, they're being very nationalistic and talking about saying Jap all the time and yellow monkeys and always with the yellow monkey stuff. And of course, it's mm. disgusting. And you could, you know, it's it's realistic, and, and I understand it. But boy, is it ugly! It's still, I mean, it felt really gross. But I still didn't feel as gross watching this as I did during that Born to Kill series or whatever it was. <laughs> oh yeah, what is that? Or was it? Was it Born to Kill? Uh, Generation Kill, that's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I understand why they do it, too. It's because, like... You gotta make them the other... Yeah, because otherwise, like, how else could you kill them? They were saying, like, oh, a turkey shoot. So, yeah, you're just basically dehumanizing them, you know? So, I know that this series goes uh, goes to Melbourne, so we have that whole, I guess they go on leave or something or have a bit of a respite in like the third or fourth episode where they're in Melbourne and then at least one of the characters has to go to, back to the US on like a hero victory tour for war bond purposes, which I believe mm-hmm. is also part of Flags of Our Fathers. Yeah. The whole war bond thing. So at least it's not all men dying on tropical islands. Like they try to do some extra shading of other things that are happening during this time frame. It's not all just war, which is good because it's pretty brutal and awful <laughs> and yeah. hard to really pick apart in terms to, to talk about because it's really just a collection of 
moments without a plot. Best wishes, Fadi. P.S. Your mother would like to know if you want us to send you your dress blue uniform. <laughs> I just think we get a lot of fancy dress balls around here. Hey, if we have one, can I be your date? You are ugly. I want Hoosier. Take a number. Hey, Johnny Reb, it's your turn. Yeah, well, this one, this one here is from a buddy of mine back in Mobile. <clears throat> Dear Sid, I hope this gets to you before your birthday. You wouldn't recognize home now. Thousands of workers are pouring into the shipyards. The Gulf is blacked out now because of the U-boats. Your sister and I went sister. down to... Uh -oh. Oh. Your sister and I went down to see the wreckage of a ship they sunk. She's worried about you, of course, but I told her a greaser like yourself is too crafty for the Japs. Truth is, you're the lucky one, Sid. You'll never have that nagging thought that you let your family, your friends, and your country down. Because that's what I'm afraid of. You're up. Bomb control. On your feet. Let's go. All right. All right. Hey, finish it. So, uh, I'll leave you knowing that, like the poem says, you're a better man than I am, Gunga Bin. Your humble and obedient servant, Eugene Slivich. So, why don't you guys tell me about all that sexy stuff you were talking about? Sex? Oh, of the homoerotic <laughs> of men in close quarters? Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, <laughs> me neither. So, oh, okay. but Matt and Mel, maybe they can that. tell us more about it. There was at that. least one part where they were like, oh, I can't remember what they said. But they're like, uh, I, I like, wouldn't want you. You're ugly. I want that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and there was also yeah. like the the best friends, like the guy with the heart murmur, and like the other guy that went. Like I thought they might kiss. I wasn't oh, yeah. sure when they left each other. Didn't yeah. he? Didn't he like sign off his letter by saying like your servant or something like that? The faith, yeah. <laughs> the servant. servant. Yeah. That, that was <laughs> <laughs> that is some that is some some BDSM kink there. I bet. <laughs> okay. That's pretty normal. Plus, sometimes. if you look at the letter, you have to kind of zoom in, but you can see that he drew a, a picture of a cock. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what soldiers do. A penis with little hearts around it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was code. It was just an eggplant. They think they're too funny. One star. <laughs> oh. Our humor is very juvenile. <laughs> Zero we, stars. <laughs> we resemble that review. Yes. So one of the reasons I didn't watch this is because I actually have a problem watching war movies and war shows. And it's more of a problem that came up after 2001. I used to watch lots and lots of war movies and I grew up watching MASH and, you know, it was serious and I understood the gravity of it. And then I... As an adult, I knew a lot of soldiers and it was no big deal. And then 2001 happened and suddenly my friends were going overseas and my partner was going overseas. So it actually, I could not watch a single war movie when uh, that conflict was happening. And um, even now today, like I just, it's, it's not entertainment for me at all. Right. So when I hear you talk about this and how brutal it was, I'm uh I'm like yeah I'm glad I didn't watch this um yeah but I think this is one of those ways that we can it's not educational because they get a lot of things wrong but bring awareness to the major main population so like people don't forget yeah war it it sucks and it's not good and we don't want to actually be there no yeah I think 
I think one of the things that that people are are kind of bringing up with there being not a lot of plot and there being you know like what's really happening and stuff is that what it I think it was trying to do and I can only guess but I I think what it was trying to do and it I felt like it did give some of that is that sometimes they war movies and and shows get into this whole thing of it's like action action you know it's exciting stuff sort of deal and it wasn't you know it was a lot of slogging through the jungle not knowing what in the world is going to happen next um getting on the beach and finding out that it's not at all what the powers that be told you it was going to be um there's actually nothing happening on the beach right now that's old news and the the war is in uh is in the jungle and you're going to have to go and find the people who want to kill you and you know it's a lot of slogging around and and uh it being a waiting game and playing on your nerves and just you know not not uh not the razzmatazz kind of stuff that movies often like to make out and so i think it was kind of trying to give a different picture in that respect mm. i think it did cool there's a very ugly scene at the end where all the japanese soldiers are dead except for one who mm. is in the water and is basically kind of waving his arms around like in just like horrible like mental pain because mm-hmm. it's because he's seen all of his friends killed and uh, his, his squad mates and whatever, and it's all been probably he's probably thinking it's ah, it's all for nothing. Um, and the American soldiers are teasing him, and are they shooting like in his general direction, but like not killing him, mm-hmm. or they're yeah. wounding him, or somehow uh, they're yeah. they're, tor- they're torturing him basically. Um, yeah. And then yeah. our our protagonist does the the Jon Snow thing and and kills him uh, and makes everybody like, oh, you ruined our fun. But he was trying to give this man some dignity and put him out of his misery because it was a cruel thing that they were doing. Well, he yeah. wanted to die. Oh, uh, yeah, he was asking. Yeah, he did want to yeah, die. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's kind of like, it was kind of a, a cultural thing anyways in Japan where if, right. you know, if you were the last well, person left or whatever like you you just wanted to die honorably that, yeah. that's like a, just a yeah. thing they have different views on death like yeah. that's shown yeah. by like the medics going over to help the guy and he blows them up with the grenade yeah oh, as they're awful. trying to help him that is all yeah yeah of course he doesn't have any reason to suspect that they actually would help him yeah and, and he might be avoiding interrogation like and of course there's the honor thing too yeah no that was almost certainly a you know something that was premeditated uh, th- and that yeah, they, they were terrible. expected. Yeah. They were expected. Yeah, I mean that that was that was not. Unco- I mean the whole suicide thing. I mean it was it was built in. You know, in a lot of the different. Um, you know, with certain of the the aircraft and and everything else. I mean, yes. as, as you say, it's just it's not not taboo. It's a part of the culture. No. Yeah. Well, that was that was one of the things I always thought was interesting about. You know, like when you deal with, oh, we didn't mention the bridge on the river Kwai or anything like that. That's oh, right. yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. Um, when you're dealing with something like the bridge on the river Kwai or one of these others, and you look at the the British and the Japanese, I always thought it was amazing the way, talk about two cultures 
that had so much in common and misunderstood each other so intensely. I mean, you had the British who, oops, sorry, who considered it cowardly to commit suicide and therefore had no respect for the Japanese soldiers. And you had the Japanese who considered uh, not committing suicide to be cowardly and therefore had no respect for the British soldiers. But yeah. meanwhile, they were both military-based cultures and societies that had this very deep sense of exactly what you were supposed to do to be an honorable um, soldier. And, you know, would many times just, that would rule their lives. And yet, it was the opposite. Each had the opposite um, idea of what was honorable. Yeah. My schoolmate in middle school, her grandfather fought in the Pacific Theater and was very racist toward Japanese people. Japanese Americans. Mm. Yep. There's well, my dad that. was there a lot and of that. he wasn't. And he wasn't a racist, so so it's not an excuse. <laughs> no. No, I'm not excusing him at all. It's <laughs> grotesque. I know. But it's sort I know. of like that's 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 what she and she was embarrassed. One of our closest friends right. and classmates was Japanese, right. Japanese American. So yeah, she, she was embarrassed that her grandfather thought this way. Yeah, um, but but it. I mean, it was real common, and and it was at the time. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to blame people who are in a war against against a particular group of people for being racist during that time to dehumanize your enemy so that you don't feel bad about having to kill them. Mm. Well, and the the thing is, what they used to do is they would dehumanize these enemies, and, and they did it for all of them. It just it oh, yeah. seemed to last longer for non-white enemies. Exactly. Um, but then you come home, and there's no deprogramming. Right. Like, you know, right. this this dehumanization process that you are trained right. with, that's, that's brainwashing. It's brainwashing that happens, and it's mm-hmm. voluntary. You know you're signing up for it. Um, but mm-hmm. it, 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 there's, there was no deprogramming. There was no aftercare when they got home. Right. So you've got these people that were murdering other people, uh, you know, as, as part of their job and what, you know, it, you know, it's not cold blooded murder. It's, it's, you know, you're a soldier, whatever. Um, but you go from this horrible, the worst thing that you could possibly do to someone or mm-hmm. second worst thing you could do to somebody. And then you come home and there's no like, there's no therapy. There's no deprogramming. It's just come back, live in this culture. So when you see people like what you were programmed to hate, it is harder to overcome. It does not excuse it. It does not make the behavior okay. Mm-hmm. But, there yeah. was no mental health back then. No, no, there no. Was no. nothing like that. Like, and you kind of see that too with when the son is about to leave his dad, and his dad is. Oh yeah with fixing the tire and he's like all right dad i'm leaving and then he's like all right and you can tell the dad wants to show emotion Mm -hmm. and you could tell that he was just messing with the tire to avoid having avoid having and that's such a trope too of the dad like like the son being like i'm leaving dad and 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 the dad's like oh i'm just fixing my car and he's like what do you want a hug i'm not gay and 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 like that's just something that was not done Mm -hmm. And the son's like, oh, I guess my dad doesn't really love me. Otherwise, he'd say goodbye to me. And how much? No, he really does love you. That's why he can't say those things. Yeah, exactly. That's a real real Hollywood dad thing. 
Yeah. It's real, well, though. That's, it is that's, real. That's how my, dad, real. my dad's dad yeah. treated him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just like if you show any kind of love, like you're not, you're, yeah. Can't express it, emotions. You can't, He's you a can't, man. You can't be emotional as a man. You can't. Can, cannot. Yeah. yeah, that was that was very, very true. I mean, I you know, I was really lucky in that my dad was, you know, that generation and he didn't buy into that at all. That's cool. but. But there were, you know, that was just understood in an awful lot of, with an awful lot of people and a lot of families. And I don't know that the men in the family usually would think that their father didn't love them or something because they were being raised with the same thing that, you know, I think it was more a sorrow that, you know, you're not going to be able to have this moment because dad isn't allowed to show emotion. Mm, it's sad. Yeah, yeah, that's why, you know, the whole feminist movement is like, no, guys, this is for you, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's for Fuck everybody. It's for everybody to be able to, yes. to live their best lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the greatest generation. So repressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, some of that still happens today. But, you know, um, oh, yeah. with hope oh, we're yeah. getting better and every generation is... Uh, able to express and feel more yeah and now we know that people come back with like problems and we don't call it shell-shocked <laughs> well yeah. we're thinking about movies that are world war ii related that are not european centered uh i was trying to think are there any movies or miniseries about japanese internment camps and I can only think of snow falling on cedars and that's like only like i believe tangentially uh there are a lot related. of there are a lot of books about it. Um, there are a couple of things that touch on it. Uh, there was a Canadian series called Bomb Girls, and it's not so much about the—I mean, the, the Japanese as well—but it, it, it's more about like the 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 character is related to an Italian who is put into an internment camp. Um, and there's a couple of things that touch on it, but I think there's a lot more books. Um, and then the. I'm sure many people know about George Takei's play uh, that he was involved with, which was called Alliance. Um, but well, I, I think Heroes talked about it a bit. I would love to see a movie or miniseries about that. I yeah, I we definitely I don't want uh, internment oh. camps in the United States again. Oh, oh too late. Yeah. No. too late. We just we just rewatched the Karate Kid, and they talk yeah. about it a little bit in that. <laughs> yeah. wow. I was, was going to mention that actually. Yeah, yeah, because because his wife. Uh, Miyagi's wife. Miyagi's Mr. Miyagi's wife died in an internment camp while, while he she, was away fighting for the country. Yeah, he was away yeah. fighting for the country, yeah. and she was pregnant, and she died in childbirth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was a very, very true uh, uh, experience for many soldiers because there were a lot of uh, Japanese American soldiers or uh, people fighting for America, and their family was interred. Uh, but I'm reminded, I did a Google search, uh, Bad Day at Black Rock from 1955 is probably uh, the most famous. And I found out that they did make a TV movie uh, for Farewell to Manzanar, which is a book that I had I read. S- is very good. I, oh, I saw okay. that. I saw that. Yeah. I How knew was it? Been, I remember it as being good, but it was I, It was a while ago, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, wasn't yeah, it in 76. Yeah, yeah. So I probably haven't seen it since. But um, I remember it making a big impression on me at the time. And I knew there had been at least one uh, TV, like, miniseries or movie or something 
Um, there may have been another, but yeah, I definitely I saw that one uh, back when it was when it was made. So, mm. you know, Manzanar was just one of ten American concentration camps. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah there were a lot. Uh, there is nothing nothing good in that whole. Really, is I, nothing. Good it's just, I, I highly recommend uh, listening to or reading. Uh, George Takei's autobiography. Now it came out before he came out, uh, but he spends most of his biography talking about his time in the internment camp, and it's very powerful. That that's amazing. Um, I uh, I s- seem to remember. Oh, jeez, I w- forgot what I was going to say. Oh, oh well, never mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> never mind. Oh, I know what I was going to say. It's just really alarming that people are now trying to make out that this was okay. They, they're actually, you know, there are actually people trying to say that, uh, yeah, you know, the whole internment camp, it's understandable. It's not, it's not as bad as, as everybody, you know, is trying to make out. No, it's not excusable. It's not understandable. It was wrong, and we shouldn't make excuses for it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's like racists who say that black people were better under slavery because they had meals and jobs or whatever, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, and that they were taken yeah. care of or whatever. Since when is no. not having freedom of movement and autonomy and independence in your life, like, when, since when's that Those, not the thing that we I value find, the most as citizens? What I, find, what I love about that is that inevitably the people who are saying that are the same who are saying, how dare the government take my freedom away to, you know, discriminate against this group or that group. I, I deserve, you know, absolute freedom. It's like, uh, yeah, but slaves were better off under slavery, huh? Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so my, uh, I've got family members that were interred. Um, they were not Japanese. Uh, they were German, um, and, uh, you know, German, uh, Italians and Japanese all were interred. But, uh, the, the big difference is the Japanese internment was so much more worse, uh, and, uh, much more lasting. Uh, so for instance, my uncle was deported. He was born here. He was an American citizen, but he and his family were deported, uh, after being in, uh, you know, after his dad was in the camp and, uh, but they were able to come back. And uh, most Japanese that were deported and lost their citizenship uh, were not able to come back. You know, it's it's many times people will bring up, well, you know, the Japanese aren't the only ones that were interned. And it's like, yeah, but it was the worst. It's also because they're it was much more they were much more visibly other again. Yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. If you're you're not going to be able to tell like the. You know, unless you have a thick German accent or a thick Italian accent, you know, people are probably... And even then, they might not even talk to you, so you may not know just from looking at them, you know. Well, you know, your name's Siegfried. It's kind of obvious, but yeah. But if you don't talk to the person and you don't know their name, just walk No, 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 I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. not to mention the fact that there were... There was a huge... There was a huge German population in this country. I mean, um, that's... my family was, my mother's family was all, well, her mother's mother's family was all German. Um, and, you know, they only stopped having German services, you know, services in German and everything um, because of World War One, I, I think. And then yeah. they may have even started again, and then World War Two kind of put the pin in it. But, uh, yeah, it was, 
you know, the, I don't know how many Germans were were um, deported and all, but I don't think it was nearly percentage wise. No, not what, at all. What uh, the uh, the Japanese were. I mean, I kind of made a joke. Uh, you know, thank God there aren't internment camps in America today, but I mean, obviously there are, um, yeah. and uh, which is why. It's 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 upsetting that the Japanese internment camps happened. It's also upsetting that we didn't learn from our mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, agreed. That's one of the worst yep. things about it. And I just found this article from uh, Newsweek, and I'm going to read a little bit about it. Um, skipping skipping the first part about it, so you just have to infer the context here. The town closest to Manzanar is called Independence, from nearby Fort Independence, erected in the 19th century to protect white settlers from attacks by Native American tribes. Uh, the sympathies of the local populace are apparent at a coffee shop in Lone Pine, nine miles south of Manzanar. Hearing me approach customers with questions about Manzanar and the Trump immigration ban, the proprietor, a burly mustachioed guy, tells me to shut off my recorder. Satisfied, he returns to watching Fox News, where a blonde pundit is defending the travel ban. At one table, there are several middle-aged men. Each, of, each has in front of him an unopened copy of that morning's Los Angeles Times. One of them is crunching on an immense carrot partly wrapped in foil. I ask about Manzanar. The man with the carrot says he's been to Japan, but not to Manzanar because he doesn't finish the sentence. The old man at the table has a thick white beard. He is hunched over a mathematics notebook, working out what appear to be some pretty complicated network theory problems. He doesn't. He didn't seem to be paying attention, but now he looks up. Manzanar, he says, was asinine. He adds that two recent developments have brought him joy, the end of California's five-year drought and the election of Trump. I asked the question I've come to answer. Isn't Trump taking us to the same place as asinine and profoundly un-American as Manzanar? Will we someday have to build a museum to Syrian refugees at international terminals of LAX and JFK airports? No, the amateur mathematician says. The media have got it all wrong. He points to the television screen. Parrots, he shouts. Then he points at the plump copies of the Los Angeles Times on the table. Parrots. Finally, he points at me. Parrot. Wow. So people don't with learn. a compelling <laughs> argument like that. People don't learn from their mistakes or their country's no. mistakes. Well, we I mean we already know that. We're not saying anything we don't already know. No, no, we do. It's very sad and and depressing and ah, I'll link to this that. uh this article in the uh in the Facebook group, as well as the show notes that I post on our website, hoopocast.com. Because uh the whole uh Racist toward Japan, Japanese is, is it's like it's part of the pilot here of the Pacific. It's um, we haven't really talked about the episode itself because, as we kind of stated before, plot wise, not much happens. Mm. It's kind of a slice of life, sort of a uh, you know, kind of kind of slice of life. This is sort of what happened, you know, the kind of experience. It's experiential as opposed to plot. Yeah, I, th- right. I feel like Band-, Band of Brothers really benefited from uh, that first episode just being set up in character development during training. Yeah, I think I would have liked something like that as well as seeing interviews from real vets just to give it a little more context. Because it kind of, this kept me at a distance, whereas Band of Brothers, I was immediately like, oh, I like these guys. I hope they I hope they uh, survive. Yeah. But you know that they do because they were interviewed at the beginning, so I don't know. Well, some I of them. Really, it I doesn't didn't... say till the last episode who's who, so. Yeah, well, at least it's, what is his name, Bill? Bill Garn- Garnier or something? Like, I can yeah. tell the actor that they cast and the old guy is like, they're the same person. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was just great casting. Yeah. Um, okay, it, let's... let's um... It does hold you at, at 
a distance though. I, I agree with you that, you know, you don't, you don't really get to know these, these guys all that well. It's yeah. And this could just be the, the first episode, like the subsequent episodes. Maybe we really do a deep delve into these characters, these men and really end up liking them. And maybe there are great scenes and great moments that would make this on par with band of brothers. But I, I think this is why I didn't watch past the first episode. The first time this premiered, I just didn't engage. Um, if I recall, this wasn't nearly as successful as Band of Brothers. Yeah. Maybe it would have been more successful if it had aired closer to when Band of Brothers aired. Uh, I posted Harold's feedback in the Skype. Mel, would you read this for us, please? Yeah, I will. If I remember correctly, this was our third HBO War miniseries, plus the Moon Show, which was quasi-military. Out of the four, I liked this one the best. I liked how they referenced the beach landing scene from Saving Private Ryan, only this time when they landed on the beach. They're surprised to see other Marines lunging about. Lounging about. Sorry, not lunging. No, he wrote lunging. (laughs) (laughs) He wrote wrote lunging. He wrote lunging. So I was like, lunging? (laughs) Lounging about. Um... Every <laughs> every moment from then on out was tense and suspenseful because you never knew when the enemy would attack. And you knew that they were in for a world of trouble once their supply ships were destroyed or chased away. My only knock on this was that I didn't get the best feel for the individual Marines. You know there is a problem when they have to keep calling someone Johnny Reb to distinguish him from the rest. Um, otherwise, I liked it a lot. Hmm. <laughs> I like that name, Johnny Reb. Yeah. I can never predict which way Harold's going to go. No, I know. He's always surprising, isn't he? I love yeah. Harold's feedback. Yeah, it's great. Oh, Harold does great feedback. You never know what he's going to like or dislike. Right. Yeah. I also have some audio feedback from Will. I don't. I didn't know if this was about True Blood or the Pacific or both, which is why I saved it till now. So I'm going to try and cue it up and play it as well. I mean, here. Okay, y'all, long time no here. Uh, I don't remember much about the Pacific except that it wasn't as good as Band of Brothers. It had Anna Torb in it, and it had Ooh. the guy from Jurassic Park who was cute in the show. Um, I don't. Yeah, I think it, I was hoping that they would recreate the magic of Band of Brothers, and it didn't happen, but it was still pretty good. But True Blood, now that was my show. It was it was such a fun show until it wasn't. For those first <laughs> I know a lot of people say it went to shit around season two, but I think it took a lot longer than that for me at least. Um, I liked it because I was excited going into it because it took place in my part of the country, the South, and it had vampires. And it just kind of got me from the start. And season two's Big Bad was one of my favorite actresses. I've loved her ever since she started showing up on Star Trek The Next Generation. And I don't know, maybe around season six or five is when it started getting bad for me. But, you know, I love my little tradition. So I remember that every, I think it started in season two where every Sunday night at six o'clock when the True Blood thing started, uh, came on the screen, I would just tweet one word and that was okay. And I just, uh, <laughs> some of my friends started to look forward to it and even would, you know, give me shit if I was maybe a couple minutes late. And even, if I was traveling and not in front of a TV at six o'clock, I would make sure to tweet the words "sucky." And 
<laughs> I guess around the same time every year, probably I would start missing the show, so I would tweet about how much I missed Sookie, even though she was far from the most interesting character on that show. But uh, I don't know. I really enjoy I watched it all the way through to the end, even though it kind of, <laughs> uh, the finale was pretty terrible. But anyway, I'll <laughs> talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs> well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> Michelle so Forbes. Was- Michelle Forbes played Anson Rowe on yeah. TNG. Oh, yeah. Really? Awesome. Yeah. Well, the book is better, but yeah, it's, it's, she, I love her, the actress. Very interesting. Played a real villain on uh, Battlestar, too. A real mm-hmm. unlikable character. Wait a minute. On Battlestar? Yeah. Did she play on Battlestar? She... Why am I forgetting she was on Battlestar? Uh, she played Admiral Helena Kane. She was the uh... commander of the Pegasus. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why I totally... I'm not coming up with a picture of her, but I remember the character... Yeah. I don't know why I totally forgot about her. That's weird. Okay. And she was in a, a few episodes of Orphan Black, too. Really? Yes. Yeah. And she's what? in that show where all the dead people come back in the town. Forget what it is, but she's amazing in that as well. The Returned. Yeah, The Returned. I only oh, I know just... that because I'm looking at the IMDb right now. It was based on a French show, and I started watching it because of Em and Sue. One of them watched it, and so I was like, all right, I got to check that out. Oh, yeah, another okay. one of the, sh- with the shows where it's like, if I wanted to watch this, I would have watched the original on Netflix. Like, why would I watch another version of it? I already have the one. <laughs> but yeah. maybe it's different. I don't know. Um, thank you for the feedback, Will. It's always great hearing from you. Thank you, Will. Does yes, anyone awesome. have any final notes about uh, the Pacific? The specific. The specific. Um, specific. <laughs> um, I was thinking about it when uh, Harold was, you know, Harold's feedback. And I think the thing that um, I thought could probably have, they've done better is I didn't get a sense of time in it at all. So I almost felt like it was montage time or something. Um, because, I mean, they had the, Basically, they had one battle, according to that, according to the show, which I know that's not what it was, but that's what was shown. What the? I think they just heard the word tampon. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That just popped up. (laughs) That wasn't me. Yeah, it was us. That was you? Okay. Yeah. But yeah, there was really very little sense of time, and I think that could have made it a lot better um, in that it, it just seemed like, okay, this happened and then some time passed, I guess, but maybe not. And then this happened and now they are um, in really bad shape and, and have been totally traumatized, which it was a very traumatic situation, but I have a feeling there was a lot more traumatic stuff that happened to them as well. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Who knows I, what's to come? I haven't watched the rest of it. True, true. Dear Vera, it seems a lifetime since we met outside St. Mary's. This great undertaking for God and country has landed us in a tropical paradise, somewhere in what Jack London refers to as those terrible Solomons. It is a Garden of Eden. The jungle holds both beauty and terror in its depths, the most terrible of which is man. We have met the enemy and have learned nothing more about him. I have, however, 
learn some things about myself. There are things men can do to one another that are sobering to the soul. It is one thing to reconcile these things with God, but another to square it with yourself. Who wants to rate it? Um, like I said, we're missing a lot of character characterization that Band of Brothers had, so that makes it harder to connect to these people. Um, but I don't feel like I'm watching something that's meant for someone else, <laughs> like when I watched True Blood. So I will at least give it a 7. Uh, a 7 out of 10. Uh, medic, medic's taking a piss. Poor medic. Was that a medic? Did they say yeah, medic? Yeah, that was... That was the medic guy. Oh. He got, he got friendly fired. Yeah, he got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't sure who it was. It's not a good episode for medics. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, Before the other ones got, got blown, blown up. up. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> There's a dog I'll, I'll, howling. Yeah, whose dog? Not mine. Suki's dog. <laughs> Okay. Um, I'll go 6.5 out of 10 because uh, it did have it had a lot of problems. There were some things that I really did like about it because I felt like it was giving a different perspective. But uh, it it really it it didn't give us a lot of character and it didn't give us a decent timeline to know you know have an idea of what was really going on with these guys. Um, so 6.5 out of 10. Um, guys taking off their helmets in foxholes. <laughs> I mean, we didn't measure that, but, you know, that was one of the first things the guy did. Was he took his helmet off, and I'm like, don't take your helmet off. What, are you, are you crazy? Anyway, so there you go. Mel is Mel's away. You're She's away. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd give the main title sequence a 10. Uh, those are gorgeous titles. Oh, Which that is, you're right. That's, they're beautiful titles. The music is, is gorgeous, and the, just the visuals of the kind of illustrations, kind of Japanese calligraphy looked like, like paper, and uh, brush strokes, and are very artistic, very somber, and, and beautiful. Uh, I love the titles a lot. After that, eh. <laughs> <laughs> William Sadler starts giving this speech, and I was like, I started going on the on Amazon to shop for water bottles. <laughs> I was like, that's how kind of like instantly bored I was. Um, I agree with Carol. This it's the timeline is messy. Uh, I have a hard time with the context of where I am and what's what's going on. I don't really know any of the men. It is, I can tell that it's brutal, it's gruesome, but I didn't really like it. I have a feeling like it could approach greatness in later episodes because I know that they the scope gets broader when they go back to the States for their war bond tour. And uh, I'm sure they get to Iwo Jima at some point and they go to Melbourne and I'm excited that Anna Torv's in it, but I can't grade it on what could happen. I can only talk about and review what I saw and what I saw just didn't grab me. So I'm going to just give it a um, five out of five homoerotic letters. (laughs) Five out of 10. Did I say five out of 10? You said five out of five. I'm sorry, five point five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> he, he knew there were two fives in there. 
It was just a matter of separating them. (laughs) Math is hard. (laughs) Talk to the guy that was doing the math in that restaurant. No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Parrot! You parrot! (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mel. Oh, what? Me? Am I rating it? You are rating it. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I don't know. It was just, it was, uh, it's funny because we've been, uh, we've been planning on watching the Pacific for years and we never got around to it. And I don't know if it's because we heard that it wasn't as good as Band of Brothers or I don't know, but I didn't, I, I heard about that and I didn't find it was as bad as I thought it would be, I guess. I thought it was fine. It's watchable. It's, I thought it was entertaining, uh, I guess. Um, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. Like, again, like you guys said, like, there's not a lot that happens. It's just more of a big setup. It's all a big setup, this episode. Um, yeah. Reading. Reading. I've got pictures of my dad in, on Guam. <laughs> They're just guys in tents and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it a I'll I'll give it a, a seven out of ten. Uh, just a bunch of white guys that all look like each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, the that whole area though, the, like the the uh, what what would you call that South East South Pacific Islands? Like, there's a yeah. lot of like war relics there, like old planes oh, crashed yeah. islands and like oh, uh, yeah. ships like just like sunken but not very far so you can see them through the yeah. water and stuff it's very yeah. beautiful yeah one of the rare good lines in this miniseries premiere was when some characters said the jungle holds both beauty and terror in its depths which may have been a quote from some something else that this character could have been quoting but hard to um it's gonna be hard for me to pull clips from this one to splice into the ep because uh there weren't. There wasn't a lot of good dialogue here. Mm-hmm. Isn't isn't that quote? That quote might be from Heart of Darkness. Not sure. I think it could very uh, well could be. be In which case, there's like zero <laughs> good quotes from this. Well, they were, which is fine because when I when I start putting in clips, it's just going to make the episode uh, to listen to even longer. Yeah. And the podcast is already at three and a half hours. Nearly three and a half hours. Um, I mean. They were they were quoting various literary things. I mean, that was part of the the characters and stuff. Um, like when they called that one guy the professor and, and he, you know, quoted something. I don't remember what it was now. And everybody just kind of went like, oh, okay, well, that's not helpful. Um, but yeah, that was part of the, the whole thing. I mean, the kid sent his friend off with Rudyard Kipling. I don't think we saw that book after that. <laughs> so... It was kind of interesting when he was going through the Japanese guy's knapsack and finding like a book there as well. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, humanizing thought, them. Yeah, I thought that was yeah. neat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a book he couldn't read, but a f- the mm. photograph he definitely could. Yeah. Figure that out. And the little doll. The doll, yeah. The doll was cool. Yeah. 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 Do you want to know what we're watching next time? Sure. Sure. We're going back to Louisiana to watch the premiere of Treme. What is that? Treme? What is that? It is about characters in New Orleans after Katrina. Oh, oh. It is from the people who made The Wire. 
Oh, wow. I would see ads for this after True Blood. And then I would see ads for this after Game of Thrones when it first started. And it sounds like something I should be interested in. But for some reason, much like The Wire, I was never interested in it. Same. And Breaking Bad. And I was just like, ugh, shut up about Treme. Yeah. (laughs) Which sounds heartless uh, because, you know, Katrina, very big deal. But I just, it finding out that it's from the same people as The Wire explains my uh, reluctance, I think. Yeah, and I have apathy towards it as well. Uh, I think part of it is also they made a big deal about the music in Treme, and I'm not a music person, so you could talk to me about... I don't know, jazz and Zydeco and stuff. And I'd be like, okay, that sounds awful. Um, if, <laughs> if it's just scenes of musicians, like, no, nah, thank you. Uh, I do know that Kim Dickens, Joni Stubbs is in Tremaine. Mm. So I, cool. I will be excited to watch, watch it for that purpose. I, I'm also familiar with the theme song. I hate the theme song. Mm. Aww. Um, oh, and After then Game of Thrones, you heard it a bunch. <laughs> and then we're going to be watching um, the premiere of another period show, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, that's great. Oh, people, I've heard good things about that. I have no. Does that? Where does that take place? Uh, it takes place in oh. New Jersey, Coney, right? I- Coney yeah. Island. Is it? Is oh, it Coney Island or Atlantic, Atlantic City? City? Atlantic, Atlantic, Atlantic City. City. Atlantic yeah. City. Okay. Yeah. Well, Atlantic City does have the longest boardwalk in the world. Right. But you know that doesn't mean that everything that mentions a boardwalk will be in Atlantic City. Yeah. So you're yeah. back. The show basically. starts out uh, yeah. at the dawn of prohibition. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, okay. It's a it's a gangster show. Uh, probation has just been enacted, so there goes that's where the the mobster businesses are starting, and um, uh, lots of great outfits, lots of interesting stories, lots of violence. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. I think we'll enjoy talking about both of those. Nutty, thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you, thank Nutty. you for having me. And oh, and I did want to point out, by the way, uh, Cottonmouth is in that from Luke Cage. In, no, not Treme. He's in Boardwalk Empire. Oh. That's where I first uh, saw him. Uh, no. Really? I don't think yes. so. Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I know who you're talking about. You're talking about um, the guy name? from The Wire who played Omar on The Wire. Isn't, isn't Chalky... Chalky, Chalky White is not the same actor. Oh my gosh, you're right. It's a completely different actor. That's Why did Michael I think Kenneth that? Williams. I'm a horrible racist. Do <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it in a long time, and I just, I, wow. Nutty, I'm yes. sorry, but it has nothing to do with race. As much as people want to say that, it really doesn't. I mean, there's there's a couple actors that I have been getting confused like crazy that they're white guys, they yeah. look alike. As well, far that's as true. I can't tell. Yeah, white we've already apart, discussed but... how, how much right. white people look alike to us and blonde people yeah. look alike to us. So yeah. basically, we're just bad with faces all around. Not me, though. I knew I knew one was Michael Kenneth Williams and one was Maher Shahalan. I haven't I mean, seen it in a long time. I will say that. And for some reason in my head, I was like, yeah, it's the same guy. <laughs> oh, well. I, I have people confusing me with black teachers, with white teachers. You name it. <laughs> Just, you know, people get confused. Rampant face blindness. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's just the way people are. It's, you know, so no. The uh, the guy that um, on Battlestar Galactica that play, was later on Supernatural played, uh, his name is Tomo or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, Tomo Pennekit? Yeah. Yeah. He, lo- he and the guy who was on 
ghost whisperer as her her husband. Those two guys to me look an awful lot alike. Really? Like yeah, I saw play- something recently and I thought it was Tomo in it and it was somebody completely different. I was like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he looks like, well, he's got, he's got the same probably, kind of nose. Similar nose. It was probably that guy from Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> it was probably that guy. But uh, yeah. All right. Anyway. Nutty, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at nimlass.org and there you can find the Nutty Bites podcast, uh, where most recently we just did an episode about cartoons then and now where we're comparing cartoons from the 80s and 90s to cartoons of today. We like oh. to highlight awesome geeky things. Cool. All right. Nimlass.org. Nimlass.org. Spell it for us. Oh, I'm sorry. N-I-M-L-A-S.org. Nice. And as always, you can find us at hooplecast.com, which has all the episodes, links to discussion threads and show notes. Go into Facebook, search for Hooplecast. You'll find us there during our Facebook group where we talk about HBO shows and Deadwood and other TV things. Uh, that dog is driving me nuts. Um, <laughs> hooplecast at gmail.com is our email address. On Twitter, we're at Hooplecast, where I tweet out Deadwood-related things, though not recently. Yeah, semi-recently. Yeah, that's it. Uh, we'll see you next time for Treme and Boardwalk Empire. That's it. That's the episode. Alrighty. See you later, everyone. Thanks for joining Bye. us. Fuck you. We, fuck off. Yeah, there we go. I was like, do we <laughs> still not? Hey, come we on. Still do fuck you. Well, too aggr- we used no. to give. We used to give the guest the opportunity. No, right? no, Matt does it better. No, I, but I, I defer I, to him. I phoned that one in. You can. You he can really make. did. He was, really did. That was I'm sad. Tired. It was sad. Nutty. I am tired. Fuck you. There you go. That's a good one. There we go. All right.